0: I've apologized for some of the earlier reporting because I think, you know, we've been terribly and systematically misled in this country for some time. And I, I was I did part of that misleading. I think it's irresponsible of the medical community not to offer this as an alternative. Two points. First of all, these other medications that we talk about for pain, for example, morphine, dilated,
1: oxycontin, Vicodin, you name it. Every 19 minutes in this country, peers in the United States, someone dies of an accidental prescription drug overdose. Mm -hmm. This is no
0: joke. Every 19 minutes. As we investigated this, I couldn't find one documented case of someone
1: dying of a marijuana overdose. You know, it is our natural right to grow and use this plant, you know, for our medicinal needs. And we've had that right all through history, until just the last few decades. So, you know, what I want to see is, you know, for us to all wake up and stand together.
0: Okay, guys, welcome back to the Grime America show. We're going to be chatting with Rick Simpson a little bit later about his Phoenix Tears and oil and curing and stuff with... With grass, so that's fun. Cannabis? With cannabis oil. Uh, But first, as always, Graham, my balls aren't blue. They're just (laughs) cold Dunlop. (laughs) How's it going? (laughs) Speechless. Perfect. (laughs) You want to
2: get right into that
0: now, then? Then then my job is done. Sure. Get into what? Are we we still talking about that? Yeah. So far, all 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 the feedback I've got has been pro-blue balls. Is
2: there any... Tantric users out there?
0: I don't know. I didn't. I'm not users. looking to get that involved in the poll.
2: I just have one argument. I, I just want.
0: A, I just got answers, and if every I, answer says blue balls are real.
2: What do you think they are?
0: I think it's when your cum gets ready to come flying out of your dick, and then all of a sudden it gets stopped.
2: And then, so what?
0: So I don't think it's didn't supposed to, to go back. It's not supposed way? to like, go back in.
2: What about masturbation? Don't you learn to practice that way or you just let it go once, that's it?
0: Well, that's how you practice, but well, then, then why in, the end, in the end, in the end, it is blue, blue balls, balls? It's but it's okay because you just get right back at it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> okay, so what about people that practice orgasm without ejaculation? Good for them. Right? Well, then why aren't they getting blue balls all the time?
0: They're, well, they probably are and they're going to end up having prostate problems. Oh
2: my God, No.
0: The prostate you know, thing I can't say is true for sure, but blue blue balls is
2: real. Yeah, that doesn't mean you oh. I talked to my sex therapist friend and she agrees too that it's it's just
0: psychosomatic. She's a chick, <clears> then <throat> she has no standing.
2: She's studying to be a sex I don't therapist. Care.
0: she's a girl, she and, has no standing. And,
2: and she's I was just I making standing sure that I heard system. right from the guy that I no. went to that seminar with. No.
0: What did you get any feedback on it?
2: <clears throat> no.
0: No. You sure
2: well just what you got that people think it's real
0: okay and just disillusioned overwhelmingly think it's real <laughs> from our male.
2: it's not look it's not really real it's from just, our 87
0: yeah, male audience <clears throat> the response is overwhelmingly blue balls are real and guess what if you're a chick your vote don't count
2: it just shows you how much we're addicted to ejaculation in, in a, this society. Let me like, reiterate. It's all about the money shot. That's all people care about. Right? Let me reiterate you can orgasm that without
0: vote that. counts if you're voting for anything other than blue balls. You're okay. <laughs> but if you don't have a dick, you can't vote on blue balls.
2: You can if you study the... No. Yes. No. Because maybe they know people that that don't ejaculate and they have orgasms and they don't That's have blue fine. balls. I'm not saying that. And they can. don't have blue balls. Yes, so how do, how do you do explain do.
0: that? <laughs> I don't. I'm looking to try. I'm not the one who can't get over the blue ball thing. Okay,
2: let's just agree to disagree.
0: Let's just agree that you're wrong.
2: And speaking of cold, it is, it is getting cold in the studio, though.
0: <laughs> didn't take long, eh? Oh. That was the warmest we've ever had it heated up in here, too, and it didn't take long.
2: It hasn't even got to freezing outside yet, and in the studio, <laughs> I feel like you can almost see your breath in the studio. So
0: It won't be long.
2: Apparently, using a meat locker for a studio is not really the best idea, unless you have like really good climate control in here.
0: I think we need, just need to plug up the chimney. I think that chimney's it's got not some, the way the that design's. Much, no. Nah, I think it's designed to fucking fill in with cold air, taking the cold out with the hot and in with the cold. Oh, <laughs> could be. It's a freezer. <laughs> this will
2: be a good test this winter.
0: So when we plug it up.
2: But anyways, you've ordered a little heater, right? Yes. Okay.
0: Should be in this week. So it should, it should keep be this because when it's
2: minus 40 outside, then it won't get to like below zero or maybe five degrees in here. I
0: think we're going to drop an insulated tarp over top of it too, just to double up.
2: That's a good idea, I guess. Yeah.
0: Mm. And mm. an extra line of defense.
2: Anyways, we couldn't have bought the heater without your support, so we appreciate people donating the show. We might need another one. <laughs> Maybe dual heat it? heaters you might be so? the way to go. Well,
0: that's a slow, like it's not a real powerful heater, right? That's a problem when you need silent. Like we've already figured out that we can't warm it right up in here with that fucking loud-ass heater and then shut it off and expect to get through an interview.
2: Because it, gets, within it like a like cold minutes,
0: already, you mean? Within really? like 20 minutes, we've lost all our heat. And it doesn't make any sense other than that chimney because this thing's designed, it's fucking designed to fucking hold in cold so you'd think it would hold in whatever.
2: Well, because well, it didn't hold in hot during the summer. It was pretty hot in here. It was like a freaking sweat lodge in here.
0: Yeah. Maybe your theory will turn out correct. What's that? That we just can't beat it. Well, I mean, we have no way of coping with summer yet, but winter's more important. I can deal with podcasting in my underwear. But fucking... I don't like that look you just gave me. made it weird. <laughs> but I'm not down with podcasting in a podcast. I don't want a toque. Tukes are fashionable.
3: <laughs>
2: well... I was gonna segue into T-shirts and donations that way, but I guess you're interrupting me once again. So
0: I can't read your mind. Okay. What are you texting? I can't even.
2: What are you so, texting? <laughs> so I've got a triple play here, a hat trick as we call it in Canada. This is uh, this is from John Podesta. I know most people have probably already heard this, but it's the UFO quote of the week, so I'm going to do three three little ones here. So this is what John wrote, and
0: so far still the ufo week.
2: in leslie keen's forward to her book he says the american people and people around the world want to know and they can handle the truth ufos generals pilots and government officials go on the record represents a pivotal step in that direction laying the groundwork for a new way forward and then so that was a couple years ago and then in February 2015, John Podesta posted the following tweet. Finally, my biggest failure of 2014. Once again, not securing the hashtag disclosure of the UFO files. Hashtag the truth is still out there.
0: Fuck off with the hashtags.
2: <laughs> and then September 29th, 2015, only a couple of weeks ago, John Podesta referring to the September 29th. Interview of Secretary Clinton by actress Lena Dunham posts the following tweet. Great interview at Lena Dunham. But Lena, ask about her aliens next time. Oh, ask her about <laughs> aliens next time. And then hashtag the truth is out there. Fuck off with your hashtag. He did a I different mean, okay, hashtag. Awesome. The first time it was the truth That's is still is there. out there. Now it's hashtag.
0: Ugh. What, did you, did,
2: you
0: what did you just say? <laughs> you just seemed like you had a mini breakthrough. Right right, well, there. I did. Well, he, okay, let's the hear
2: second it. one was the truth is out there. It used to be the truth is still out there. So maybe that's a sign that it's actually n- coming out.
0: Mm. Yeah, people coming out all over. <laughs> 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 or not. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Uh, was that the last one? Yeah Podesta I tweeted him I tweeted him recently
2: I know I wonder if I wonder if one of these days Like one of those famous politicians will Just use us to say They were on a podcast Maybe You can use us in grammar gear Just come on to say You're on a podcast
0: Yeah We don't mind But we What we do want you to do Is tell your friends About this show
2: That's right Pretty much the only way We can Didn't we have another Marketing plan What was that? I can't remember, but we need something. The Facebook thing, wasn't
0: it? Oh yeah, the Facebook thing's been going pretty well, actually. Oh, it? Yeah.
2: But and we got t-shirts. So I got t-shirts in 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 the house.
3: Oh yeah, uh, save right.
2: Sasquatch one. So what are we doing now? If if people want to donate, if they want a t-shirt, and they can donate, uh, what were we saying? Over twenty-five bucks. Yeah, that's a, hopefully a bit more than that because twenty-five if, barely covers <laughs> our costs. Yeah, if and it this isn't like a. You know, this is kind and of And if just... you're
0: Australia in the UK, then you can't have a shirt. Or if you really want a shirt, we can probably figure something out, but it's probably gonna be more than twenty five bucks because I think the shipping's gonna be like forty.
2: So what are you gonna do about pictures? Are you gonna sit you gotta put pictures of these shirts on somewhere? Right? Use
0: your selfie stick. Okay. I wanna make sure people could see the stick in the shot too. <laughs> And then, uh, yeah, buy some of these ones out so that we can get the take the- shot shirts, because I think those are those are going to be the best seller.
2: Yeah, and, and uh, if you if you've talked to me or emailed me about a shirt and I haven't responded or you're waiting for an update and you haven't heard anything, just email me me again, because there might be a couple people out there slipping through the cracks.
0: Yes, sir. And of course, that is uh, grammerica.ca/support.
2: And my email.
0: And Graham's email is Graham at grammerica.com. Graham.
2: That's G R A H M.
0: Graham. Grammerica.com. Uh, check out slash support uh, Even if you don't want a t-shirt, you can go there um, and shoot us, uh, shoot us a donation. And of course, it's always it's the subscribers that really keep us going around here. So check it out. Sign up for a monthly. Uh, whether it be a buck a month or, or 30 bucks a month, whatever you can afford. There's, I think there's about 15 different options there. So check one out. I think, uh, everyone can afford a buck a month. So check it out.
2: Yeah. There's free, no ads, nothing. Yeah.
0: What's free. that? That's like, that'd be a 25 cents an episode. Yeah. That's 10 cents an hour. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. only five cents each. Yeah. <laughs> Actually I get seven, you get three. <laughs> Okay.
2: So yeah, what?
0: <laughs> Ouch! When you break it down like that, I don't mind. I'll take it. Forget those
2: <laughs> micro payments. Just give just somebody out there. Give us one big one to cover for everybody.
0: Yeah, we need an angel investor.
2: There we go. As so, yeah. long as we still get to keep this no agenda style, like no, you know, I yeah. don't want any agendas coming with the angel investor.
0: Yep. This is true. And um, if you can't afford to support us, which is just fine, and just as important as to tell people about the show, um, it seems like people haven't been doing that as much lately. So I think all you guys should go sign someone up for the newsletter today. I want to see newsletter subscriptions double next week. Sure. Yeah, that's the that's challenge. Or I'll give you guys a month. A month to the thirty day double the newsletter challenge. I see if there was some way to that we could these people could prove how many people they're signing up, then uh we could have a contest and give away a book or something. We got some you doubles. If count
2: all the people that delete their subscription, that might be a way to do it.
0: Uh, I don't know if I can tell that. Justin can probably yeah, tell sure. that. I can just tell sign up speaking of could, Justin they could send us screenshots speaking to Justin
2: yeah did you read his blog
0: which one the glitch one it's a Berenstain Bears yeah Berenstain Bears I, I, for, I
2: forgot me I thought maybe uh we should talk about this since you as a millennial pardon me <laughs> <laughs> well you're kind of a generation behind me so I'm not a if,
0: fucking millennial I was born in 1981
2: 81 hmm. are you the same generation as me then
0: no, yeah. How old? No. What are you? Ten years older than me? Eleven? 11? Yeah, eleven. No, you. I think you. Well, yeah. I think you're above. I don't know how that kind of works. I think we're the same generation, different era. Oh, okay. That's uh, for some reason I got the twenty five year number in my head for a generation.
2: <laughs> yeah, maybe. So we so, should move along, So, what do you remember about the Berenstein Bears? Then?
0: Berenstein. I thought it was Berenstein, but clearly it was Berenstein. E I N really. I don't know about spelling. I think you just get comfortable saying it like that.
2: Stein, mm. Berenstein, Berenstein. Did you read the rest of the examples of this mass memory Mandela fucking, effect? Yeah, yeah. I don't what do buy you it. You don't buy it. What do you mean you don't buy it? It's a, it's not something to buy. It's people are having this experience. We're having the Berenstein experience right now. If you were to tell me, I was like, just a stupid if you were to kid. Ask me what the Berenstein. You know what? Maybe it's was, pronounced Berenstein,
0: you- and that's why.
2: No, I remember it. Because like, I swear I used it, to yeah.
0: watch that shit on TV. Hmm. You don't remember seeing it.
2: Yeah, I think I do. Prove it. I can't. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, that's a great... If someone sends
0: great... me... So, then someone in our fucking audience should be able to have a fucking old Berenstein Bear book in their attic that's spelled well, S-T-E-I-N. One...
2: No, that's the... I think the point of the glitch is, is that there is no more EINs left.
0: Oh, just the update,
2: code updated? Exactly. It's like the fucking latest Digital iTunes universe? update. Fucking messes everything up. Have you heard about this problem? iTunes? Can I bitch about that? your Apple fucking
0: Well, if, yeah, if you're using iTunes on a proper device, it'd probably work just fine. No,
2: everybody online is having everybody the same problem. Online. They lose their fucking library, their music library. They update to the cloud or whatever, they lose their library. I can't even access stuff on my phone now. I can't even take stuff off my computer and put it on my phone. You deleted. I have your to library? do home sharing. I have to sign, click on home sharing every time I want to listen to something on my computer. It's a nightmare. Well, that's my little gripe about Apple right now. They've ruined iTunes. I, my whole music thing is in iTunes. Like I'm, what do I, now? I just go. I might as well just go to Spotify or wherever. Right that they're trying to compete with because they, they're they not Apple doing music. very
3: well.
0: You still have your sh- shongs on there? Here, give me that songs? Thing. Your shongs. Give me it.
2: No. <laughs> Why not? No, I'm, t- I'm telling you.
0: Well, then give me it. Me? Well, I just... I'm not saying I don't believe you. I'm just saying give me it for a second. My music. 80s power ballads. <laughs> Isn't this your music library? Right here?
2: Yeah, but it's not Doesn't mean that it's there Look, Jack Cornfield, Jack Cornfield Meditation Oh To practice photo oh, transforms That's working. Huh.
0: Let yourself sit in <laughs> oh. Okay, that was fun Good gripe We need a jiggle
2: This is the problem It's inconsistent Sometimes it works And sometimes it doesn't
0: That's the problem
2: No, I'm serious You're gonna hear people Commenting on this Okay I'm not the only one.
0: It's just confusing. No. I get it. No, it's, it's not. It's a confusing, confusing. new no, it's interface. Not
2: confusing. No, it's not.
0: It seems like it's a little confusing. It's confusing. It took me a while to.
2: You're not just making fun right now?
0: No, it took me a couple of days of fucking around with it.
2: So you you don't have a problem with your uh, music, music right now?
0: I'm not super thrilled about the new layout. I don't really like it, but I figured out how to work it.
2: No, it's not the layout, though, that's the problem.
0: I do like that I can listen to anything I want now.
2: Because
0: right. I signed up for that trial. They gave me a three-month trial of Apple Music. Hey.
2: Okay. I don't know why it's working now. What a joke. Of course, as soon as I start to talk about it.
0: Glitch in the Matrix. <laughs> Any synchros, biatch?
2: No. Well, yeah, we got. I mean, we got to do this uh, cookie challenge here.
0: That's not. Is that a synchro? Scarf, I'm is that synchro?
4: Necessity. Graham reads it out. Then, dare give it to me? Hey, don't you please read it low, Yeah,
2: yeah. Ow. That's a synchro thing, the cookie thing. <clears throat> It was originally a synchro from James Nation, right? Okay. Our local du- our local buddy here. So I'm gonna reread his email,
0: and I'm gonna dole out the fortune cookies. Okay, so, so so we should start off by making sure that the heaping bowl of fortune cookies you described is not quite as impressive if it's well, as weird as we Some of them hoped. are eating on me. So I just want people to know it's not like 30 fortune cookies. It's, well, it's 12. We've right? got five each. 10.
2: No, there's but I brought I brought this. I've been saving up fortunes. Oh, uh, for no, 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 no. No, Wait, wait, wait. No, wait. No, no. wait. Look. Have okay. you read them? I, no. Well, yeah, I've read some of them. I but don't not know, all if, I don't me, know if, but if I can... I'm saying that they're not... There's no... I don't think there's going to be any duplicates in here. Like...
0: I don't know. Put those aside. Those are fucking Isn't sketch. That, those are no, shady at best. No, don't uh, mix them with the fucking authentic ones. <clears throat> you can't just, just show saying. up here with a handful of fucking <laughs> fortunes out of the cookie. I, yeah, because <laughs> I'm telling you, it's my... assume
2: the experiment is still going to be assumed legitimate. In combination with the ones we haven't opened? We'll see. That'll be extra. Okay, so here's the email. This, this is from James. This weekend, a close friend and I were having all kinds of mind reading and different types of synchros. We would just laugh and think that we must be old souls and, souls and know each other really well. But check this out. We go for Chinese food, and as we leaving, I say to her...
0: As we leaving.
2: <laughs> hey, let's see how crazy our fortunes are going to be. I bet they're going to be totally right. She just laughed at me, shrugged it off, and I said, too late, I've already manifested it. So we get in the car and open the plastic wrappers of our fortune cookies. Before we crack them open, I stop her and say, wait, let's synchronize the cookies. And I put my fortune cookie together with hers like they were kissing each other. We open the cookies and the fortunes are exactly the same. What the fuck? Crazy shit.
0: Putin's fulkin'.
2: And so Darren and I were arguing over the synchronicity because I think Darren gave him like... Very minimal synchro. And I was trying to tell
0: Can I eat the cookie? That,
2: yeah, well, well, just wait. So his, here's his cookie challenge, because obviously he didn't agree with... Are you listening to me? hmm <laughs> He says, okay, I'll buy a box of fortune cookies for you guys. I'll bet Darren can't pick two cookies at once with the same fortune. I'll donate 50 bucks and two hours of computer slash studio work if he does. And I'll take a zero on my synchro score. If not, I want at least nine, and Darren has to eat all the cookies. I purposefully tried to sink the cookies, and it worked. The most important part of the story, you got to kiss those fuckers together. I've never had the same fortune before, so that was crazy shit. Like, seriously, what are the real chances of that? Manifest two cookies with the same fortune, one in a million at least. He says, cheers, guys, and let me know where to send the cookies. I'll even throw in a bag of chips for Darren. Because Darren's addicted to chips. So I brought the fortune cookies that I have, because I saved them sort of in a bowl. And I figured I'd have like 20 of them, but I really only had 10. But I have all the fortunes from the opened ones in a little bin here. In little Dad,
0: leave them over there. So, okay, we didn't synchronize them this time. What's your well, fortune? Not, we
2: don't have to sync. I'm just going to prove that none of these will be duplicate.
0: Are we going to eat the cookies while we go, or no, later? It's too hard to eat Okay, these. we'll put them in the bowl so I can eat them later. Are kind of like chips.
2: I need my reading glasses. Others are attracted to you by your sense of humor.
0: I already got two duplicates.
2: No, you didn't. Yeah. No, Show me.
0: No, not till we done.
2: Read your fortune out.
0: You should be able to make money and hold on to it. Not fucking podcasting. Your attractiveness is spreading all around. <laughs> <laughs>
2: You will soon acquire a great new family member.
0: (laughs) Discover your hidden skills and make use of them. Oh, I like that one.
2: Your knowledge and experience will help many people. (laughs) That's appropriate.
0: (laughs) No, it's not. (laughs) A carrier of good news is on his way.
2: You are next in line for a promotion in your firm.
0: The promotion you is peeking at you.
2: Ooh, ooh. <laughs> Those aren't the same though. That's interesting. That's a bit of a sink no, right no. there. So are we supposed to kiss them together? Or are you out? I'm out. I'm going to eat some more. An old acquaintance will enter your life.
0: What's an acquaintance?
2: Not quite a friend Fucking Well
0: this doesn't count I so, said if there was 30 cookies okay, There'd be at here, least Here du- let's
2: count all these There's not I bet you there's no duplicates in there
0: How are we going to keep track of this?
2: <laughs> well you'll remember
0: A group of people is missing you Why don't you get Ephraim on the line While I'm doing this You'll You're be given a action. special opportunity That you should not miss Get ready for a big surprise. Your business plan is finally coming to fruition. Your hidden talents will surface. What? No, was that was wasn't that a double? I don't think so. I thought we had your hidden talents will surface already. Did we? (laughs) You are a very professional person. Your friends appreciate your great sense of humor.
2: No, not quite. This will be hard. <laughs> We're already listening track like five in.
0: May God hold you in the palm of his hand. You are only cheap to yourself, but never to others. You will overcome difficult times. Thanks, genius. I think everyone overcomes. You will find happiness in mind and heart.
3: Hello, hello. You
0: hey, are hey, especially fam. beautiful this week.
2: Hello, hello. We're just in the middle. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, can you hear me? Yep, yep. We're just in the middle of uh, the cookie challenge segment here. we our... should
0: plan of start this week. All
2: right. So uh, how's it going?
3: Right, pretty good, man.
2: Good.
0: Not be influenced by others. Hey, baby. I don't know. I think we had a fucking match already.
2: Well, we'll have to. Like...
0: Believe in yourself and you'll make the right choice. You are far more talented than you think.
2: That one? That's not a double, is it? That's a double. Far more talented?
0: Yeah. That's I don't a double. Think so. Yeah. No. Find it.
2: Okay, we'll have to find it off we'll have to find it off the area. We'll have to trust that we're finishing.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're doing a cookie challenge. You want some? I got a bunch here. <laughs> You're far more influential than you think. I think that's a fucking double too. Hmm. Don't eat so close to the mic. <laughs> okay, I think I think there's two doubles. There's possibly two doubles. Here.
2: Okay, we'll check it out.
0: Okay, <laughs>
2: even if there was two doubles, it'd still be hard to open them up at the same time.
0: Yeah, that's why you got a six.
2: Okay. Hey, so Efrain, we've got Efrain here, and Efrain, um, yeah, how's it going, buddy? Was our first hey, guest. Hey,
3: hey.
0: Hey, guys. I just won the fucking fortune cookie challenge.
2: So <laughs> hey, Right, man. What's up, man? <laughs> so uh, we wanted to get Efrain on because last I think it was the last episode or one before. We were talking about Red Pill it Junkies. Says, vlog. Listen to this, oh.
0: though. Hey, wait. Here's a couple interesting statistics on fortune cookies. This uh, This particular fortune cookie factory produces 4 million fortune cookies per day and uses 5,000 different fortunes which means that each fortune is going to be duplicated 800 times per day.
2: <laughs> there you go. 5,000 into a 8 million, was it? Yeah, so I think there's just like, well, wow, that place just has
0: 5,000 fortunes. 800 of them a day, motherfucker. Yeah. a bad batch. I bet you there's people out there bought a bag of fortune cookies that were all the fucking same.
2: No, that one. Not. <laughs> so, anyways, Efrain was our first guest, and we he, he talked about the water stains on Mars that he'd researched prior to uh, like you know like a decade ago. Red Pill Junkie wrote a blog on it, so we just we wanted to have Efrain on to because NASA's now obviously come out and said uh, there's proof of water on Mars and right where he said there was. Yeah, and he yeah. was talking about this like fourteen years ago. So we were talking about how great it was that, you know, he was our first you guest. Heard it here And first. and, and uh, it's kinda like the whole the epitome of why we want to do the podcast. I have a platform for people that are doing different types of research. And now it, he's been vindicated. So how's it going there, buddy?
3: It's actually pretty good. Uh, yeah, that was kind of a, a bit of sweet uh, announcement right because it was a uh, wow this water now not only the water on mars but it's related to the streaks on mars which i've been studying right and uh and that's how, when i first saw this it was just like my paper but of course i didn't get any mention any not even an honorable mention
0: on cnn you did though
3: yeah i did thanks to uh, uh robert zubrin but uh but but the thing is is that <clears throat> you know when I was doing the study, it was it's an intensive research, you know. It, it took over a year to do it, and it just kind of been laying low. But I have been pushing it ever since, like on, on this podcast and you know, very first podcast for you guys. And thank you for giving me the platform to do that.
0: And then uh, we so had when, Metzger on from NASA. Yeah, he probably ripped you off. <laughs> right. <laughs> he was probably listening to our first couple shows to get a feel for us. Bam, NASA owns e Mars for
3: stains. <laughs> yeah, but uh, unlike Ho- the Hoagland, uh, here's the thing, because back then, uh, when the images first came out, if you look at it, it's obvious, really, to anyone looking at it, that it looks like water. I mean, it's, it's not really a big stretch to say, oh, wow, that looks like a water stain. Uh, and Hoagland posted one picture and said, yeah, that looks like water, and put it on his website, and that was it. Uh, but what I did actually went further than that, and I was actually doing my own independent research aside from his, was that I researched over 400 images. I found 400 stained images. And, but what I found was that they were in the equatorial zone of Mars, number one. So that's another thing. It's like they were in the warmer part of Mars. Uh, but NASA has a fancy term for what they found. They call the RSL, which stands for Recurring Slope Lineae. But basically what that means is that the the streaks that they found actually changed over a period of time. And that's the the, the, the smoking gun, right? But if you look at my paper, that is something that I found with what Joe England actually found it using her research.
0: Yeah, we were watching we actually, them get longer, I think, right?
3: Yeah. Yeah, we actually had the, you know, for my database, what we did is we had my database of 400 images, and she found... Uh, a corresponding image taken at a different time uh, searching through NASA's archives. And then we kind of match them together, and lo and behold, you can see that one was longer at one point or the other. So that was really the, the, the key point right there. And ever since then, I've been beating the drum. You know, I presented this at the Mars Society Convention in 2001, uh, you know, on your show. You know, my website is very extensive information on it. But it all kind of just went under the window, you know. So, you know, so between NASA and Hoagland, I'm kind of stuck in the middle, like like in nowhere's land, right? <laughs> but, uh, but anyway, it's kind of, it's, it's kind of uh, it feels good to know that I was correct.
0: Fuck yeah. You know? I wonder if you get anything. So, what's the website again? PalermoProject.com?
3: Yeah. 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 And if you follow, and it's a link there for my Mars research. And if you go there, you will find hundreds of images of these beautiful dark stains on Mars and my whole research you know, that I did and what Jill did. And so it's pretty extensive. And here's the thing that, that strikes me about the guy who f- discovered this, uh, these stains that he says he found it by accident, just looking through NASA's images and stuff. I feel he accidentally came across my website. I mean, I can't. I you know was saying I can't prove that. I, I don't want to take anything away from him if he did do it on his own. But if you just Google Mars streaks or Martian stains, Martian seeps, I mean, I'm right up there, a uh, top ten percent of the Google search. I mean, it's, it's, you know I'm saying it's hard to miss. So, you know, so I, I, I hope that my work inspired someone like him to go a step further and actually use NASA's equipment and, you know, modern stuff to, to actually find and verify verify this finding. So in a way I feel like I'm, you know, in a background part of history and not in the foreground I'm in the background, but uh, yeah, I take it.
2: And that, and that's kind of what red said, I think in his uh, blog, right. That it was kind of like chalk one up for amateur research. And if that's the way it has to happen, then that's good, I guess. Right. If they can,
0: Fuck yeah. You know. It's better than we're doing. We're going to end up in the anus of history.
3: <laughs> I know, right? Not but? the No. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, and Red Pill has, has a point, too, in that NASA needs to encourage that, right? Because not all the smart people, you know, that can think straight are in NASA, you know, or, you know, professors or, or scientists, you know, the guys like you and me, you know, and our listeners, who can think straight, you know, and we can figure things out. And sometimes we can figure something out a little quicker, a little differently than those people stuck in a certain paradigm. You know, so I think NASA needs to have a, a door open for people to to give ideas and then give credit to people that actually have workable ideas and solutions.
0: I wonder how much shit they'd get crowned in there though. If they had just like the, you know, if they just had maybe, I mean, I don't know, maybe NASA does have some sort of protocol. You can send what you think to them, but I wonder if they do, like, how much crazy shit they get in a day.
3: Yeah, I know. You, have, you kind of have to sift through, through all of that, right? Hmm. So, so, so there has to be, a, a, you know, some kind of system in place. But but in other words, I think that there needs to be some kind of interaction between the public, whose our tax money is paying for this, and the people in charge of these programs. And have some way to, uh, you know, to... to it, it, what, it, what I'm thinking, actually, is like open source. Right?
0: Well, at it's least just, at least the beauty of the internet age is that your shit is dated.
3: Yeah. Oh, totally.
0: Like, if you do the Google reverse Google fucking search, then you'll win mm-hmm. every time.
3: Yeah, yeah. You know, and at first I was, I was thinking of suing them, you know. I, I talked to a lawyer, a friend of mine, and I said, you know, I want to sue NASA, you know, because I think they... You know, it's like... Yeah, and I talked to Robert Zubrin, I said, you know, should I sue them, you know, and he's, he pretty much said, you could be pissing in the wind if you do, you know, I mean, it's like, you know, I really didn't have much to go on, you know, have to prove that they sold my stuff, you know, it's it's a big mess. So, he's going to have to live with what I have, you know, internet micro fame, you know, so. No,
2: <laughs> oh, I like that. That's a yeah. a good little tag
0: yeah You're famous around here buddy micro hey man hey thank
3: I appreciate you guys back up too
2: man so is there is there a chance like you've done a lot of research on the monolith as well on Phobos is that all is that all been sort of flushed out by the mainstream now like all that stuff or is there any chance that uh other strange research that you've done will get picked up as
3: yeah that's pretty much the the two that I've done that that are notables that the monolith and uh and again, the, the Phobos monolith, you know, what's on TV and uh, NASA's unexplained files. But NASA is, is quiet on that subject. Uh, but who knows? Maybe they're planning a mission of Phobos and going to take a look at it. We just don't know about it, right?
0: Yeah, maybe. Okay. Yeah, the moor up to that big mooring pole. Yeah. <laughs> Phobos 1. Buzz was talking about it, though. Buzz
3: yeah, Aldrin. I know.
0: Buzz yeah. Aldrin, Yeah,
3: hmm. yeah. Yeah, he was telling NASA they should go to Phobos. There's a strange object up there. that should go take a look at it. So
0: that means Buzz was on your website.
3: Yeah, yeah exactly. Actually, I, I emailed Buzz when I saw that video. And I said, hey, by the way, I know you've been to my website and saw this. Can you at least say something? You saw it on my website, you know. But no response, of course.
0: You should tweet him. Here we go. Just watch <laughs> when you see him face to face because he does tend to punch people.
3: yeah i know right (laughs) no but this but this shows like you you guys always uh, talk about this it's the power of podcasting and internet and then you're given a platform for people like me and other people you know just to say what they've done and what they research and you never know what comes out of it you know but it's reaching a lot more people than the mainstream right because I, i actually wrote to like I don't know, 10 different newspapers, was, you know, online uh, news sources, you know, nothing. You know, the only thing that came out was uh, Newsweek did something, but that brought up Hoagland's thing, you know, his one-page, you know, image. And they said, oh, look, you know, he he says he found it. And Hoagland actually is saying that NASA stole the idea from him. I mean, this is, this is his position. <coughs> Classic yeah. Hoagland. I, I know it's like to me. No, I don't think that's you know, that's not the case. You know, that's but uh, maybe you know this particular person that found the stains was influenced or you know inspired or whatever by looking at my work and decided to look at it further. I, I mean, that's not stealing, you know, but it's not giving acknowledgement. Yeah,
2: and
0: exactly. That's,
3: and, that, and that's my only thing. You know, maybe,
0: maybe we'll just get a nice postcard in the mail one day. <laughs> know, it says, right? "Thanks, Ephraim that's it
2: so what about what about You'll the know. rest of these anomalies on Mars like every every freaking week you see like oh they find a uh, people are finding you know are you gonna jump on has little... this
3: reinvigorated your your Mars viewing well no because that particular line of research was was done I mean I kept going to the point it was redundant and it was already a done deal uh, as far as looking for further anomalies uh, there's too much of that going on. It's, and what you see in the papers right now, like, like Huffington Post, for example, are, are good for this. If anyone says anything about some Mars rock, right, they, oh, look, this is like the latest one was a spoon. I don't know if you guys seen this. Looked like a spoon floating, you know, in the dirt there. It's kind of like a 3D rendition kind of. And, uh, oh, no, a leftover spoon from the Martian kitchen or something, you know. And, and, of course, and it's just an artifact, you know, from wind, you know, affecting dirt and sand in a certain way. But, you know, and to me, that's not an anomaly. It's just somebody with, a, with an idea or something. They think they see something. They're trying to convince somebody else to see it. And then the news picks it up. And, of course, it doesn't make any sense, you know, when you look at it, Is it really? You know, like the Sasquatch guy, you know, the one-inch rock or whatever, the Sasquatch. Or, I mean, it goes on and on. The Blob Squatch? Uh, <laughs> yeah, right,
2: right. So, so do you think there's anything uh, legit on Mars that's an o- anomalous, though?
3: Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah. Uh, i told you, in my research, when I was, I was, like, years and years of looking to uh, Mars anomalies and looking for, for them, is we, they did come across a few. And one of them, the most notable, is, is a, like a boulder with a rectangular hole in it hmm. right into the rock. I mean, it was like a rectangle going right into the rock. And and NASA kind of looked at it said, oh, no, that happens all the time. You know, it's like an earth, you know, it happens, you know. Water creates these uh, square holes. I, I don't know about that, dude. I've never seen myself a rock with a square hole made by water. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? At least you have like a water drill or something. Uh, but that's one of the ones that, that to me, it was, should take a, uh, a better look at. And at the time, the rover went right by it. I mean, it happened to be in the backfield. You know, they're kind of like, oh, look, there's a hole, a square hole in that rock. Let's keep going. But they didn't go up to it and look at it and measure it and, and say, what the hell, you know?
2: Yeah, so, you think they'd at least do that to satisfy people's curiosity. I mean, really.
3: Yeah, or even their own. I mean, <laughs> would they be that curious? Or so maybe they're too afraid. I mean, I have no idea what goes on with some of these guys, when they pass something that's so obvious, obviously interesting, right? Yeah. Hmm. Uh, but I tell you what, lately, I mean, with the with the Mars Reconnaissance Orbiter, you know, the, the better cameras they have, and there's going to be more missions to Mars, I think that we're going to find more and more uh, artifacts. And who knows, maybe find actual remnants of a of civilization or, you know, some past activity on it that wasn't ours. But you can't do that by... By just looking at a rock and saying that it looks like something when it isn't. Yeah, I agree. You know, because that muddies the whole field, right?
2: Half of those ones that that I get, I wonder, like, what the fuck are these things? I can't even pick out what they're saying they see in there. I've seen the deck that the rover drew.
3: The, oh, the deck. oh, yeah, I saw that. <laughs>
2: <laughs> was it really and a deck thinking. or was
3: it, what? Was it a yeah. joke or? It was two round balls and the rover
0: went up like you know. He like spun around <laughs> and made some balls and then took off.
2: Really? Was it done on purpose?
0: I don't know. That's like right, that's a conspiracy, I suppose, right? Yeah. Let's see what happens if I type in rover deck. Rover blue balls?
3: <laughs> so yeah, so, so so it has to be more discerning. NASA you know, and-
0: rover accidentally draws penis on red planet. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that.
3: That's pretty It's pretty funny. Oh, yeah. Oh,
0: nice. I think I used so, it in a YouTube video for Ephraim.
2: Oh, maybe.
3: <laughs> oh, yeah. I think you did. Didn't you? But uh, but anyway, yeah. So I think I think there's a lot more uh, that's going to come about. You know, Mars investigation. But the thing with water, with, with of course on Mars flowing liquid water is life, because if that was the one criteria for life on another planet or something outside of Earth, was that had to be water. And I'd be liquid. Hmm. You know, so if you have those two things together, then it's not a next step to go, okay, something could be living in that, whether yeah. it's microbial, you yeah. know, whatever it is.
2: Or underneath the
0: surface. Mm. We'll never yeah. know because you can't go near it.
3: <laughs> yeah, right, because yeah, the water. The water. there. the water. Say water but contaminated, but
0: contaminated.
3: <laughs> <laughs> so now you got me talking canadian you got you talking graham
2: <laughs> right on buddy well it's, it's good to chat with you again and, and what do you have anything else interesting going on right now how's Hi. your how's your how's your uh, books coming
3: i tell you i'm working on the second book tides of retribution the sequel to uh, alien cartel and it's coming out good actually uh, i'm gonna have uh, red pill junkie going to review it for me nice as soon as it's ready uh and it's going to be awesome it's got it's got a lot. Guess what? This has uh, uh, past lives, alien past lives, uh, insane alien civilization. I mean, it's got it's got all kinds of good stuff. In
2: nice. It. Uh, well, yeah, I loved your first book, Alien Cartel. That was great. Yeah, yeah. So you're going to put this one on audio right away as well?
3: Uh, not right away. It actually took a while to do the audio book. Uh, but first, I'm going to get it a print and on Amazon, and then it's a Kindle. And then what, what? When that's out, then work on the audio part. Okay, cool. Yeah.
2: Right on, buddy. Well, send me, send me. Uh, as soon as you got, uh, you know, a version available, send it to me. Will do, man. Right on. Well, thanks for coming on, buddy.
3: All right, man, and nice talking to you guys. Okay,
2: chat. See you Ciao, later.
3: you frame. All right. Okay, see you guys later.
2: All righty, we're still recording there, buddy.
0: Yep probably about time to jump into the chat with rick though
2: yeah great talk with rick wow he's a real so cool i can getter, keep eating eh? these fortune cookies yeah yeah that's uh we'll get we'll get back to everybody about the the cookie challenge here
0: initial outlook like i have won. enjoy the chat with rick <laughs> Okay, guys, in America tonight, we've got the uh, one and only Rick Simpson, and we're going to be talking about his uh, Phoenix Tears recipe and uh, cannabis in general, and it's uh, the role it can play in the future of health. Um, but first, how's it going, buddy?
2: Hey, I'm doing well. I'm excited to to uh, chat with Rick here. He's, he's uh, recently released his book, too, Phoenix Tears, which is a Rick Simpson story, and uh, it's about his journey... And his struggles, I guess, after finding out that uh, extract of the cannabis oil is basically healing and it's um, it can cure cancer and all kinds of other stuff. And uh, so there's lots to talk about here. It's a topic that's familiar in, in Grime America. So without further ado, welcome to the show, Rick.
1: Well, I'm happy to be with you guys. You know, But uh, it, yeah, it is a grim fact that uh, you can face a lot of repercussions when you try to do something good for this world.
2: Nice pun. Thank you.
1: <laughs> but there is no question in my mind that uh, these cannabinoids are soon going to change the face of medicine forever, as we know it. You know, I mean, it's it's amazing what these extracts can actually do, and uh, <clears throat> that's the reason today that you're seeing worldwide, like country after country and state after state, you know, legalizing the medicinal use. You know, and it's not it's it, well, it's a wonderful thing to see that happening, but what's really bringing it about. Is the healing power of these extracts, you know, that can be that can be produced from the cannabis hemp plant? Right. So, uh, you know, at least health-wise, if uh, we get off our asses and actually stand together and demand our, you know, our natural right, you know, to grow and use this plant as a medication, then I think that we could have uh, some good days ahead.
2: Yeah, that sounds good. And you and you've been a huge part of this this message. I just saw a news article, actually. Um, One of our contributors here in Grimerica sent it to us, and it's from Mexico. There was a Mexican girl suffering eight years until 400, basically 400 attacks of epilepsy daily, and she's the first uh, person in Mexico authorized to consume medicine-based marijuana. That's uh, after the government pledged, and this is just this month, to make an exception to this prohibition. So yeah, like you said, it's it's starting to catch on.
1: Well, half the states now in the U.S. have legalized it. You know, some have even legalized it for recreational use, which I I have no problem with, because, you know, even the smoking aspect of can, cannabis now has been proven to be, to be just another form of preventative medicine. Is
0: that kind it's of no, like, is that the new apple a day?
1: <laughs> well, <laughs> one might say that, but, uh, you know, I mean, uh, smoking does have its beneficial aspects. There's no question. Uh, they say that you have if you're a cannabis uh, smoker, that you have much less chance of coming down with uh, things such as lung, such as lung cancer. But you know if you're treating a serious illness like cancer or many other debilitating diseases that can be quite aggressive in nature, I, I would uh, definitely go with the, you know, the most medicinal extracts from the sedative indica strains. Uh, you know, they're the ones that really do all the healing. It, it's just amazing because the, the, Indias, or the Indicans, <laughs> I'm not even talking right this morning. <laughs> the Indicans, uh, will actually, uh, they're so sedative, they'll just put you to sleep. And sleep and rest are a necessary part of the healing process. So, and the results I've seen with these Indicas are it's just unbelievable. You know, their their healing values all vary a bit from strain to strain. And uh, I mean, luckily for us, practically all the the heavy sedative indicas, I found them to be, you know, very effective in the treatment of cancer. But, you know, the medical values from strain to strain will vary. And, uh, you know, some are better for po- pain relief or lowering ocular pressure for glaucoma patients or controlling blood sugar, that type of thing. Wow! So I, I always like to grow different strains. And then, you know, I used to make the oils separately But then I would mix them all together. And when I mixed them all together, it almost had like a blanket effect on all diseases. And that's when I began to call this medicine a cure-all because that's what it proved to be.
2: Wow. So is is that what the Phoenix Tears is then, a blend of all this?
1: Yes. uh, Yeah. So that was the most potent oils I produced at that time. Yeah. It was mostly a blend and uh, like I said, the results that i seen were just amazing. And I, I couldn't comprehend that my own government, you know, the one the very ones that have been telling us for decades that they're looking for preventative medicine and they're also looking for a cure for cancer. I couldn't believe that they would just turn their backs on this the way they did. But mm-hmm. when that happened, I began to see, you know, the corruption that is truly running our world. You know, it's it's the big money that stands in the background that you never see. They're, they're the ones that really control our governments. Yeah, yeah. You know, the governments aren't working for the people. You know, they're just puppets for their rich elite. And, uh, <laughs> you know, what they're doing to this world is, you know, we're, they're just wrecking the world. It's they're not poisoning sustainable. our planet.
2: Yeah, it's not yeah, sustainable it's, at all.
1: Yes, totally unsustainable. And uh, to me, it's just nothing but madness, you know, going on today. You know, when we could be using a God-given harmless plant to basically solve all our needs. You know, cannabis is not just about medicine. It's about energy. It's about food shortages, you know, and 50,000 other, 50, other different things that can be manufactured from this amazing plant.
0: Well, I mean, you, know, you fact- could even be talking about running fucking cars and stuff with it if you get into hemp and uh, ethanol.
1: <laughs> oh, yes, very much so. And you know it's, it, You know, I, and what it would do if we, you know, when we grow up and demand our right to grow this freely, it'll put people back on the land. And uh, and since there'll be so many different hemp-based industries, I think it could actually put an end to unemployment. You know, it gives mankind a future. And at the same time, we can be, we can be cleaning this planet. You know, and cleaning the planet up. You know, for future generations. It's it's like I said. It's horrible what they're doing today.
0: Hmm. So how did, uh, can we give, let's, uh, I think most of our listeners are probably fairly familiar with the story, but I was thinking maybe uh, for, for a few that aren't, maybe we could just roll it back and how, how you came into, how you came to discover how well this works.
1: Well, I'll give you a brief rundown or as brief as possible. Uh, in 1972, I watched my 25, 25-year-old cousin die a horrible death from cancer. And, uh, you know, at that time, cancer was rare. And uh, he was actually the first person I ever knew that had this, this, this horrible disease. And he's also the first per- person I ever knew that died from it. And uh, But, you know, I worked in a hospital. And as years went by, you know, the, the rates of illnesses like, you know, serious illnesses like cancer just kept escalating. And, uh, you know, I'm, I mean, you know, I'm a power engineer by trade. I never worked directly with people in the hospital. I just fixed everything. But uh, so I really had no idea what was going on. But uh, about three years after his death, I was listening to a, uh, I just came out of the hospital one day and, turned, and was leaving for home, and I turned the radio on. And there, the announcer on our local radio station was uh, laughing like a fool, but he stated that a report—they had just received a report from the U.S. which stated that THC, the active ingredient in marijuana—and I hate that word, too—it uh, should be cannabis—had been found to kill cancer cells. But it was the way the report was presented, you know, You know, he was laughing like a fool. So I just thought it was his sixth sense of humor at play. But since my cousin had died, I think that's the reason it, it basically stuck in my memory. So uh, in 1997, I suffered a severe head injury at work, which left me with post-concussion syndrome. And, uh, I, you know, I, I believed in the medical system at that time. So I took all the pills and medications that the doctors threw at me. And they just made me nothing but worse. And then about a year after I was injured, I was watching an episode of The Nature of Things with Dr. David Suzuki. And uh, this episode was called Reefer Madness (laughs) 2. I guess that suits it. But uh, here, you know, in this episode, it was showing all of these people that were smoking cannabis, you know, for their different uh, health problems. And the results were very dramatic. You know, at that point, I mean, I had smoked cannabis before I was injured, but I never looked at it as being a medicine. Mm. And uh, so I went out and I got some cannabis. And, you know, when, as soon as I smoked it, I suddenly realized that it that it had much better effects on my condition than anything the doctors had been giving me. But, you know, I, so I started going to the doc, every doctor I went to. I would ask them for a prescription, you know, because we had that wonderful marijuana access program that Health Canada put out. And that's another farce. But uh, every doctor that I talked to, they all said the same thing. You know, it's still under study. It's bad for the lungs. You know, stay away from cannabis. But, you know, by 1969, or excuse me, by 1999, uh, I was getting in a very desperate situation because, uh, you know, the, like I said, the pills and everything they were giving me, that was just making matters worse. And mm. I was strongly considering suicide. But rather than do that, I decided, well, find your own solution. So I knew that, you know, the cannabis was working better than anything the doctors were giving me. So uh, one day I went to my doctor's office in 1999, and I put it to him straight. I just asked him, I said, what would you think if I were to make the essential oil from the cannabis plant and ingest it as opposed to smoking it? Hmm. And the doctor got a really strange look on his face when I said that. But he did admit that this would be a much more medicinal way to use this, you know, this plant. Wow. So, uh, I mean, I went right home that day and I produced the oil. But I'm almost ashamed to say it. I I was afraid to, to, you know, to start ingesting it because all those warnings the doctors had given me about it, you know, kind of scared me a bit. And uh, I mean, I knew that this oil would be very sedative because that's what these heavy indica strains are. I mean, they'll you know a few puffs off it, and a heavy indica will put you to bed. So, and these is and this is what I produced these extracts from. So I knew it would probably knock an elephant down, but at that point, I knew nothing about its other medicinal, you know, other medical abilities, and I actually thought, from what the doctors had told me, that it could do me harm. But in late 2001, almost three years later, uh, I was called to my doctor's office. Uh, At that point, he told me point blank that there was nothing more they could do for me and that I was now on my own. So having nowhere to turn, I I went home and I started ingesting small doses of this oil in the beginning. And then every two or three days, I would increase the dosage. And, uh, you know, it was really amazing because my, you know, my, my thinking processes from the pharmaceuticals uh, really just weren't there. I, when, when, the, when the medical system cut me loose, I, I could hardly remember my own name. That's the effect that they have, Wow! these pharmaceuticals. Uh, my blood pressure was all over the place. Uh, I had been suffering with arthritis in my knees for years. And, um, you know, I get on this oil and all of a sudden my thinking processes clear up or begin to clear up. My arthritis just disappeared. I started losing all this. I lost about uh, around right around forty pounds in about the first two months. I was on the oil. Wow! Because it, what it does, it it takes all the excess fat away and detoxifies you, and it brings you back to a healthy weight. So I mean, who 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 would think that an essential oil from a plant could do that? But uh, so to me, it was just uh, you know one miracle after another. It was you know it was controlling my blood pressure. It was working for me in so many ways, you know, and it was allowing me to get the sleep I required Hmm. because, uh, see, the head injury had left me with what they call post-concussion syndrome, you know, the head injury I'd received at the hospital. And, um, you know, most people that have this, uh, they commit suicide, and I can understand why. You know, some people have migraine headaches. Others have, more or less like I have, like migraine noise, you know, this high-pitched ringing sound in your head 24 hours a day. And at times it can get extremely loud, but the, you know this, these extracts—they don't take the noise away. But what they do is they allow me to live with the noise. You know, without without this medication, the noise takes over your life. Hmm. But if you have this medication, it it seems that you know now you can deal with it and you can live with it. So uh, you know, I I've, I've started ingesting the oils and up my dosage as time went on. So I, I was taking. Oh, a quarter of a gram to a third of a gram at night before bedtime. And uh, it was giving me a good night's sleep, and that's exactly what I needed. And it was about a year afterwards, uh, in late 2002, I went to my doctor's office to show show him these three areas that I'd had on my skin that I'd had these areas since the 1990s, and they wouldn't heal. Mm-hmm. And I strongly suspected that they were skin cancer. So when he looked at them, he he agreed. He said, "Yes, it looks like skin cancer." But what what they were mostly concerned about was the, I had one on the right side of my nose, very close to my eye. So they he sent me in to have that removed surgically, and it was about a week after the surgery that I was sitting there looking at it in one of these magnified mirrors. And it was pretty ugly what they had done. I mean, it was infected. That's standard procedure now in hospitals, and. Uh, <clears throat> It was just at that very moment when a report I'd heard back in the mid-70s popped back into my mind. You know, THC, the active ingredient in cannabis, had been found to kill cancer cells. So I knew the oil I was ingesting was full, you know, of, of THC. So I you know, I almost didn't do it because I thought, you know, well, if this really worked, the medical system would be using it, <laughs> you know. And, and since I'd been taking the oil, then, you know, then my, uh, you know, my cancer should be gone.
2: Yeah.
1: But you know, just to find out, you know what would happen, I went down and I put the, the oil on the other two areas that I had been suffering with.
2: Like physically, like topically?
1: Yes, just I just applied the oil directly to the skin cancers, uh, both of them, and then I just put a bandage on them, and I left it in place for four days.
0: About how much?
1: Just a actually, it was just a drop, a drop of oil, on each on each of the, each one of these lesions. I mean, they weren't huge areas. <clears throat> And for four days, I never felt a thing. And uh, so I just left them in place, the bandages. And then I went down to the bathroom after four days. And when I removed the bandages, I, w- I was just shocked. You know, both the lesions had completely healed. All that was there was pink skin.
2: Wow.
1: So, you know, I became rather excited about that. <laughs> and uh, so, I, you know, I started telling friends and neighbors that, you know, I thought that this cannabis oil had cured my cancer. And uh, of course at that time everybody just laughed at me. You know, you know yeah, right Rick, you know marijuana cures cancer. Well, I got bad news for them. It does. <laughs>
2: how how far <laughs> we've come in, in like 12 13 years since
1: that. Already. Oh, it's it's come a long way since that time. Yeah. Yeah. But um you know after a while I was starting to, you know, question, you know, maybe they maybe these people were right, you know, because I'd been my own first patient. But about seven weeks later, the cancer they had removed surgically, it came roaring right back. So I put a drop of oil on it and a bandage. Four days later, removed it, completely healed. Well, that's over 12 and a half years ago now, and I have never had to retreat them again. Wow. So I I think I have every right to say that cannabis oil cured my cancer. Yeah. In
0: four days. Yeah.
1: Yeah, in four days. And uh, I did go back to my doctor's office. I got a copy of my pathology report, which... (laughs) Which stated I had basal cell carcinoma. I, wouldn't, I wanted to talk to the doctor about it, but he wouldn't have nothing to do with this subject, like most doctors. Wow. You know And it was then, I was on the way home from the doctor's office that day that I, I got thinking, and I thought, well, if I was a doctor and a patient of mine cured their cancer, even if it was just skin cancer, I mean, that can be deadly too. Yeah. I would want to know what he used. You know, but the medical system and the doctors I talked to—they they didn't want to have anything to do with this. I think that many of these doctors actually realize the threat that you know these extracts have to their profession, and uh, so uh, you know they they you know they want to stay away from allowing its use as much as possible. I mean, there are some good doctors out there that actually you know do support this, but the vast majority, uh, like the oncologists and the pill pushers. Well, this oil would put them out of business, and they know it. Hmm. So they don't want to see it legalized.
2: Did it take you a few, a few tries to refine the process? Like, how long did it take you to actually get it to, the, to where you wanted it?
1: Well, the strange was, part was that an ongoing is, thing still? Well, I got, it, no, I got it right the first time. I shouldn't say the first time. I tried to make oil one time because, see, I was growing a little cannabis myself. And uh, I tried to make oil one time in 1993 or 94, but the information I was following was badly flawed. And from my experience as an engineer, I was questioning, you know, you know, what this information was telling me. But I did it their way, and sure enough, it was a, the oil was a total loss. But while I was while I had done this, I was thinking at that time, you know, well, what if I did it this way? And I, I kind of changed things all around in my head. But you know, where I just ruined two pounds of prime bud, and, <laughs> and the oil I produced wasn't worth a damn, I was a little wary to do it again. But um, that's it, a know, lot it,
0: to be working with. I've made a lot of oil in my day. Have you? Yeah.
1: Wow. Well, I think in this near future we're all going to be saying that. I hope, <laughs> anyway.
0: <clears throat> well, I used to do but it the, with ISO on the stove. No smoking.
1: Oh, yeah. You know, <laughs> no smoking is a good idea around this stuff anyway. But in 1999, it was already in my head, you know, from a few years before about my way of making it. So the first time I produced it following it, that simple method, I showed the public. Uh, it worked like a charm and the oil was just dynamite. But like I said, for, for quite some time, I was afraid to even use it.
0: <laughs> so what is the do you mind just sharing the process quickly?
1: Oh no, it's very simple. I mean, you just take uh, like a, a, or a pound of good bud, and uh, if you know, it should be indica, right? Oh yes, the indica bud for internal use because the indicas are sedative and stay away from sativas because they'll energize the patient. And I don't think that's a very good idea. So if you have a pound of good indica bud, uh, about two gallons, uh, say uh, eight to nine liters. A good solvent, something like uh, I always used to, when I was in Canada, I always like to use naphtha because it works like a charm. Or you can use alcohol, uh, you know, the higher the percentage, the better. Because uh, in, the, in the U.S., uh, a lot of the time they use Everclear, and it's 95% alcohol, but the other 5% is water. So it makes the alcohol a little bit less, you know, effective as a solvent. And at the end of the process, you're also left with all this water to evaporate off, and that slows things down a bit. And in addition, alcohol is, is not nearly as selective as, as, uh, as naphtha, and it will wash a lot more of the chlorophyll out of the plant material, and chlorophyll can make the oil taste quite bad. But still, you know, even extracts made from alcohol are very effective. And there's several other solvents that one could use, but really I have limited experience. I've only ever used ether, naphtha, and alcohol myself. But there are, you know, solvents like uh, acetone or something of that nature that might work very well as solvents too. The best advice I can give anyone, if you want to know if a solvent will work, basically all you have to do, I mean, any solvent that you're going to use should be clear like water. And all you have to do really is dip your finger in it and then just watch it evaporate from your finger. Uh, if, it's, if it's a good solvent to use to, to produce the extract, it should completely evaporate from your finger within 30 to 40 seconds, leaving no oily solvent residue or anything of that nature behind. So that's a very simple test that most people can, you know, help, you know, help to, to help them determine, you know, what solvent, you know, they can use. But to... You know, it's all its all really so simple. You just need the rice cooker, some funnels and plastic containers and, uh, you know, uh, coffee filters, of course. And uh, all you're doing is you're just putting the plant material, it's bone dry. You're just putting it into a bucket. And as you've seen in the video, you can just use this, dampen it and then just use a stick to crush it up. And then you float, uh, you, you bring up the, the solvent level. So just, uh, so it's about a half an inch above the plant material. And then you work it for about three to four minutes. And then you can dump the oil-solvent mix into another, into another catch bucket. And then you, you give the plant material, uh, you soak it again in solvent, uh, you know, fresh solvent. And then you work it again for another three, four minutes. And then you dump the second run of oil-solvent mix in with the first. At that point, you just take it and filter it off through a coffee filter. Uh, Quite often, it it resembles like gasoline. I mean, the solvent is is clear, but when you when it has the resins, when it's extracted the resins, it often turns uh, the solvent a golden color. And that golden color you're seeing is actually the cannabinoids, you know, (laughs) the medicine. So then, uh, you know, once it's been filtered, you just uh, use a rice cooker. And uh, to boil the solvent, to, to boil the solvent off the oil, and always make sure that you have a fan right there to keep the, you know, the fumes away. Uh, and it should, you know, and when you produce this oil, you should do it in a well ventilated area. And uh, you know, and once you get rid of the solvent, uh, there you have your medicine. You know, and it's so easy that really anybody can make this. Uh, if I was blindfolded and had the material sitting on a table, I could produce this medicine blindfolded. So there's certainly no rocket science behind it. Mm. You know, this is, this is what I had to laugh at. I, I remember one night I was doing a show, and uh, this guy, he started, and, oh, you know, about my brilliant discovery, and, you know, he, he was really building me up. And, of course, you know, I started laughing. And when I come on the air, I, I, you know, I said to the people, I said, yes, yeah, so, you know, it, it takes a real genius to take, you know, the most medicinal plant in history <laughs> and, and wash, you know, the healing resins off it And then all of a sudden you discover, you know, that, you know, you've just discovered a miracle drug. You know, I mean, it didn't take any intelligence here. It was really just blind luck that I stumbled into it. Hmm. But, you know, what a shame that our medical system is not using, you know, is not using this. And, you know, when you when you look at thing, what the doctors are doing today, as I understand it, medicine is based on this thing called the Hippocratic Oath. And in that oath, it states first do no harm And it also states that as a doctor, I shall not administer poison. Hmm. Now, look what these doctors of today are doing. None of them, you know, practically none of them are following their Hippocratic oath. So I think the field of medicine needs a real wake-up call. And believe me, in the near future, they're going to get it. Yeah, it's like a cartel.
2: Yeah, it is. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So how how long does a batch like that last? I just heard recently um, that uh, THC or it actually loses potency after a while. So is there an expiry date to a big batch like that?
1: Well, not really. <laughs> you see, you know, when you, when you, when you, bring, this, uh, when you bring this down to, uh, like or these resins down, you know, to that form, you know, where they're highly purified, it's like a thick grease. And there's really only about three things that can affect, uh, you know, the potency of this, of this medication. And that's air, light, and heat. Well, air can't get into it because it's a thick grease. So if you store it in a cool, dark place, like such as your basement, uh-huh. you know, where there's no light and no heat, well, I, I honestly believe that if you uh, put a bottle of this down in a place in your basement or in a place like that, that you could open you could open it up a hundred years from now and it would still knock you on your ass.
2: <laughs> All right. <laughs> So can do you have a question, Darren, or can I continue? You can continue can, can you Can you explain to people that aren't too familiar with this topic what a cannabinoid is then? like,
1: Well, uh, we're still working on that one, too. Um, you know, I mean, a good friend of mine, Dr. Lamir Henoch, uh, who's regarded to be one of the top experts in the world in this field, uh, he works at Hebrew University was, yeah, in Jerusalem. I was wondering the, about that uh, with, uh, with, uh, Raphael Michelin, the man who discovered THC. So he, you know, this guy is one of the top experts and, uh, a few, quite some time ago here, he isolated 108 different cannabinoids. And he told me, he said, there's still more that we haven't isolated oh, yet. Wow. So in reality, we don't even know how many different cannabinoids, you know, there are in this plant, you know, and right now CBD is catching all this attention And, uh, you know, I don't deny that CBD does have its medical benefits. There's no question. But it's a synergetic effect of all these different cannabinoids working together. And if you actually uh, go out of your way to produce an oil that's low in THC value, I actually feel that it will affect its healing qualities uh, to quite some degree. You know, so... I am I'm, I'm very upset with the attention that all this CBD oil is getting. It it does have its medical benefits, but unfortunately after Sanjay Gupta did that piece on CNN, everybody started running around chasing, you know, looking for CBD oil to treat their cancers. And in reality, uh, like I said, uh, you know, CBD does have its, its benefits for cancer, but as far as I'm concerned, the real cancer killer is THC.
2: So so let's just ba- let's uh, break that down a little bit. So CBD oil is is like a, the oil without without the THC then? Well, yeah. Or, or with a very, yeah, very, low, very, them, very so. low THC, right? See, cause,
1: very, yeah, cause yeah, very, very low.
2: That's funny because that answers a question I was going to ask you about is if people don't like the feeling they get from being stoned or whatever, like the THC part, no, of it, it like- is it just as good to have the the CBD oil? Because I, no. I actually ordered some from Stopped. Europe. For my no, girlfriend because no, She it's, doesn't it's, like to
1: get high. It's so. not even. It's not even in the same league. And Damn. you know, there's another thing. I have to laugh at. You know, why is everybody so afraid of getting high?
2: Well, not. You know, not are, every, I only know of like one person. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Good. <laughs> no, but, I mean, people will go to the doctors and they'll take these poisons and you know all these stupid, uh, you know, chemicals and pills they throw at them. They'll go and they'll take radiation and chemotherapy, which are carcinogenic treatments to treat cancer. <laughs> You know, this is insanity, for God's sakes. And anybody with a brain in their head can see it. Yeah. So, uh, you know, like, so, uh, I mean, what I always tell people, you know, what would happen with the patients, uh, with the oils that I was producing, about 45 minutes after they ingested their dosage, they would sit there and they would get a smile on their face. And about five minutes later, you know, they would just go to sleep. The stuff would, like I said, knock an elephant off its feet. So, you know, there's no harmful effect and... I always tell people like you know some people will start to become anxious you know and because uh, they like they kind of feel the oil taking over. Yeah. And I yeah, always tell yeah. them I say look don't fight the effects. Yeah. Just lay down and enjoy the ride. And practically all the people I used to supply oil to they all came back and told me that once they became used to it they actually enjoyed taking this medication.
0: Yeah, Yeah, and you get used to it too, right? Like, you know what I like to think is like if they took the fucking money that they're dumping into all this these pills and shit, and dumped it into like you could probably have different levels of CBD and THC and have like specialized blends. Like, it probably wouldn't be that tough if people like when we really get into it, it'd be like okay, you got epilepsy, well you take you know C one fourteen or something.
1: (laughs) Well, let's not complicate it too much, but. Yeah, I no I know I know what you're saying and and I think actually once we're free to do the proper research, you know, some honest research for a change into this plant, that in a very short time we'll be able to to, to determine, you know, what cannabinoid levels are required to treat each and every illness in the most effective manner. You know, I, that, to me this is just nuts and bolts. You know, it's a, and since the medicine or these these extracts are so safe to use, I mean they're non-addictive and harmless, then you know, and there's no reason why you know we couldn't actually be giving you know these extracts to patients and observing the effects they're having, and then we could soon determine you know which strains are the best for what conditions. Yeah.
0: Yeah, you could like literally eat your entire three month treatment worth on the first day, and probably you'd. And nothing. Die.
2: There's no side. There's no long list no. of side effects. No. Well, you'd have effects, a pretty you know?
0: intense couple of hours. Yeah, I'm sure.
2: but I mean, there's no list of side effects like these other yeah. prescription drugs.
1: No, I, I Actually, I think if you took the full two ounces on the first dose, you'd probably sleep for about a month before you woke up. <laughs> but when you woke up, you you'd be might on harm. <laughs> <laughs> you shit yourself. Yeah, that could happen. <laughs> no, I mean, uh, literally, this, this uh, medication has the power to, you know, if you overdose like that, it could put you right in a coma, but a harmless coma. So uh, actually, in some situations where people are, you know, very close to dying, if the medical system would use this properly, I think that flooding their system in that manner could be very beneficial because then we, you know, where some of these patients, you still might be able to turn them around if you can get enough of these cannabinoids in their system quickly enough. So, uh, it, you know, even overdosing can have its benefits. And, uh, hmm. and there's no argument. I mean, they go on, you know, well, is it safe for children? Of course it's safe for children. It's the best damn medicine you can give your child, for God's sakes, to protect them, you know, in the future you know, and to prevent diseases like MS, diabetes, cancer from ever taking place. You know, the look at what doctors, you know, today give our children. I mean, they, they want them all, Ritalin. you know, they've all got attention deficit disorder. They all need Ritalin. And then pretty soon, you know, they need Prozac and Paxil and all these other mind-altering substances. After,
0: after 50 vaccinations.
1: Oh, yeah. On top of that. That's right. Yeah. Bill Gates deserves a medal for that one. But, uh, you know, it, it's, it's truly disturbing. And, you know, and we just sit there and we allow this to take place. And, you know, and our own children are the ones that will have to suffer the consequences. You know, and here's a medication that you can use lifelong, you know, like almost like a, like a dietary yourself. supplement, you know, just to protect, you know, keep you in a, you know, in a constant state of detoxification and it will protect your children and you if you're wise enough to start ingesting it, too. Hmm. So, you know, I mean, who has the right or who ever thought they had the right to outlaw the medicinal use of this plant that is basically legendary, you know, in medicine all through history? You know, the greatest healers in history used this. And uh, I often point out to the people that I strongly believe that Jesus himself was using cannabis. And I think it was cannabis and not the power of God that was working all those medical miracles. You know, I mean, if if you look up the ingredients of the holy anointing oil, you'll find that one of the ingredients is blossom. Now, back in the time of Jesus, that's what they called cannabis bud. So the holy anointing oil is full of cannabinoids. And I really do believe that that is what was doing the healing.
0: Yeah, there's there's a long, long record of the Chinese using it as well. Um, so oh, yeah. two two ounces is that the standard treatment of oil for someone like say if someone has been diagnosed with cancer that's what they wanna they wanna power <coughs> through two ounces in about how long?
1: Well, two ounces are around sixty grams, just slightly over two ounces. Um, that is the standard treatment if you've had no chemo or no radiation. And I like to see people you know slowly increase their doses every four days uh, and over a period of ninety days they can usually ingest uh, 60 grams of oil without too much problem. And after that, they can just drop their doses back to a maintenance dose at night, you know, just to protect them, you know, and keep them healthy. But, uh, you know, anybody that actually has gone through the medical system, uh, you know, the damage from chemotherapy and radiation is very long-lasting. And since it is carcinogenic, it actually helps to bring the cancer back and spread it. So you need to undo, you know, for these people, you need to have them undo all of that damage by ingesting more oil. So for anyone who's taking chemo or radiation, I would strongly suggest to stay away from the medical system and to get about 180 grams of this oil in you as quickly as possible. And that usually will take four to six months. But believe me, it's worth the effort. And, uh, you know, it can undo all of this horrible damage that the medical system leaves behind. And
0: that should be about a half pound of indica bud per ounce. A half pound. Or, sorry, yeah, half pound per ounce.
1: Well, you know, like it varies from strain to strain. You know, like some strains of indica will produce much more uh, healing resins than other strains. But I've always told the public if you get 60 grams uh, of high quality oil off a pound of good bud, then be happy. But in some cases, you may get 70, 80. I've even heard of people getting over 100 grams off a dry pound of, you know, really high quality indica. So that actually that would produce almost two full cancer treatments just off one pound in some cases.
0: Man, I could have cured a lot of cancer back in the day.
2: What does what is, what is 60, 60 grams look like? Like those little vials you get. like So, what the, is that? so like,
0: like the little tiny ones are a gram. Like the standard, no, ones a gram? You, the standard ones you see yeah. that are like that tall. That's, that's like a five jar.
1: Five grams? Oh.
0: Yeah. So you'd be 12 be, of those. 12 of those. Of a a pound?
1: Pound?
2: Wow. Hmm.
0: Yeah,
1: it's a very small quantity of oil in reality. And, uh, you know, it's uh, like I said, I mean, you can use this oil for, you know, to heal your pets. I, I love working with dogs. Our buddy in Lethbridge <laughs> uses
0: it uses it on his scars and birthmarks.
1: Oh yeah. It works on that the too. Raven.
2: Should we tell should we tell people though that if, if they've never used this that they should really do one drop at a time? No, like one drop. Don't do more than one drop the first time you try it or
1: Oh no, no. It's not actually it's nowhere even near a drop that I recommend you begin with. Oh. Like a pin <laughs> like a
0: pinhead maybe? Uh,
1: more like a pinhead, yeah. Just a little tiny speck you know, in the morning, mid-afternoon, and about an hour before you go to bed. And you stay on that dosage for four days. And then at the end of four days, you try to double your dosage. And then you take that dosage for four days. And then, again, try to double. And keep pushing yourself until the point where you're actually, you, what you need to actually do is get up to the point where you're ingesting eight to nine drops of this oil every time you take a dose. And at that point, you know, that means you're taking about a third of a gram Every eight hours and over a period of 24 hours, you're taking a full gram or full milliliter, a gram and a milliliter are basically almost the same. And, uh, you know, and that's when you're really flooding your body with these extremely powerful healing cannabinoids. And uh, that's really when they work work their magic. But I've seen so many miracles with this plant that I I couldn't begin. I, I could sit here on this show all day and just go on, you know, about case after case after case It's just astounding, you know, like, because, uh, I mean, we were taught to believe that, you know, the word cure-all was just some kind of joke, you know, panacea. Snake oil. uh, Snake oil, a substance that can heal anything. But this truly is. You know, I mean, we've treated AIDS, MS, uh, multiple sclerosis, you know, even flesh-eating disease. This oil has been found to be the only thing, I believe, known to man that actually works on flesh-eating disease. You know, so there's there's no limit to the medical value it has, and since we all have this endocannabinoid system the same as animals, then uh, you know then we're basically designed to take this medicine. You know, we have the CB1, CB2 receptors, and if these if these oils are produced properly and they uh, and they've been decarboxylated, that means their carboxyl group is re- is removed from the molecules, and then these molecules will fit right into our CB1 and CB2 receptors. Hmm. You know, the same as the natural cannabinoids that our bodies produce, hmm. the same as they do. Wow. But you see, you know, what happens, you know, as when our immune systems become compromised, the natural cannabinoids our own bodies produce just cannot keep up with things. Hmm. You know, and that's when cancer gets a chance to rear its ugly head and some of these other illnesses like Crohn's and, and things of that nature. So by, you know, supplementing yourself, with the natural cannabinoids, it boosts your immune system. And really, the endocannabinoid system is what provides balance to our whole bodies. And, uh, you know, it, it's, it, it truly amazes me. that I mean, they've known about the endocannabinoid system uh, since about the 1940s. But in most medical schools, they won't even talk about it. You know, so that, that's another scary aspect of the medicine, you know, that doctors are being taught today.
2: It's not only the medical community that we're up against, but it's the drug war itself as well. Like that, I mean, that might even be more of a struggle in a way. The, like the uh, the institution that's actually fighting <laughs> fighting these drugs, that's you know, as oil, a war. to cure cancer,
0: mm-hmm. quarter of a red
1: well, can. Mm. Well, you got the FDA and the DEA and in Canada the RCMP. You know, I mean, they're all chasing this plant around, but it it, it truly is ridiculous. I mean, there there should You know, I I don't like to see harmful substances available on the street, you know, because I have children, too. But cannabis presents no danger. Yeah, yeah. You know, nobody has ever died from its use. And and we all know that. I mean, you know, even when a person's driving under the influence of cannabis, you know, well, I always tell the patients in the beginning, you know, you're going to sleep a lot when you start taking the oil. And I told them I'd also tell them not to drive their cars until they get the feel of this medication. But once they do and that usually happens within 3 weeks or so, once they get the feel of this medication, their motor skills aren't impaired. It's not like alcohol or pharmaceuticals that do impair your motor skills, but uh, the only thing with cannabis is if you if you ever see a beginner you know, driving on our highways, they're not hard to pick out because they're the ones driving 10 miles an hour.
0: (laughs) Or they're (laughs) stoned.
1: (laughs) Yeah. But once you get used to the the effects of cannabis, you just drive normally. And I actually, uh, from my experience, I think I actually drive in a more rational manner when I have cannabis in my system.
2: Hmm. I remember talking about that years and years ago, like in the 80s when we used to Mm -hmm. smoke up and and we'd see, like, you'd see examples of kids getting drunk and kids getting high, and the difference between their behavior was incredible.
1: Oh, God, yeah. Yeah.
2: So, so, Rick, um, when do you think big pharma will incorporate this into their medical system, like their prescriptions and all that? Like, when is this going to become?
1: Um, well, it's, it's happening now. Yeah, there are companies, uh, There are companies now that are actually, I believe there's a a pharmaceutical company in Israel right now that says they're making the Rick Simpson oil, but the the oil they're producing is only 30% THC, from what I hear. And, uh, you know, the oils that I produce were like all, like in around the 90% THC, you know, levels. So uh, it's not the real oil at all, but unfortunately, people everywhere now are producing this oil, and many are claiming the same thing, you know, that they're making the RSO. And all too often, when people order these oils, you know, from these people, what they receive has little or no healing values at all.
0: So, what's the what's the problem? Is that they're they're not cooking it long enough, or
1: no they're they're in it for the money. That's the problem, and they'll so make the stretching you know,
0: make, it by leaving more shit in it.
1: Well, that and you know, and they'll throw anything in they can. I mean, they just don't care about the patients. They're just trying to get into their pocketbooks. And you see, if our governments were any damn good. They'd put a stop to this, you know, but actually the people that are, you know, the, the rich elite who stand in the background that actually run our governments, they want to see these extracts discredited. So they're allowing all this scamming to take place. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, my name is caught right up in the middle of it. But, I mean, I don't have any amount of money. I mean, uh, you, can, you can have your, you know, your name trademarked and all the rest of it, but that costs a great deal of money. And then you have to hire a whole army of lawyers to enforce that, you know, and I just don't I simply don't have these funds. So I've always told people, you know, that uh, like I don't I'm not in the situation now that I can supply oil and uh, I can't even tell people where they can go to get high quality oil, because how would I know about the quality of, a, of an oil that someone is producing, you know, right, because right. one day they're producing oil out of one strain, the next day they're producing oil out of another strain. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's truly very unorganized. And, you know, what we need, we need some standards and quality control, you know, involved in this. But I, I honestly think that that no one should buy anything from the pharmaceutical companies, because uh, these are the people that I feel that have done the most to hold the use, you know, of this plant back, because back in the 1800s, you know, E.I. Lilly, Parker Davis, Squibb, all those big companies we have today. Well, guess what? Back in the 1800s, they were all producing cannabis-based medicines. You know, and I mean, so they had to know at that time the same thing that I found out. I mean, you can't work with this plant and make a medicine from it without realizing very quickly that you have an amazing, you know, an amazing substance here. But you see, the pharmaceutical companies... Uh, although they supplied the essential oil and extracts from many different medicinal herbs and plants, they never supplied the essential. I never found one report stating that any pharmaceutical ever supplied the real essential oil to the cannabis plant. I think they lived in fear at that time because, you know, farmers everywhere were growing it freely. And if those farmers found out that they were growing the greatest miracle drug on the planet right in their own backyards, the pharmaceutical industry would be out of work. You know, they'd be out of business. But in the 1880s, 1890s, uh, they started mixing the chemicals together. You know, if I take this chemical and that chemical and I put it together, well, look what I've discovered. You know, and I can patent this. You know, and that's where all of these this allopathic medicine really took uh, got its foothold, you know, with the help of John D. Rockefeller and his rich buddies who owned the chemical and poison <laughs> plants. You know, so what they did, they took over, uh, well, they started these medical foundations and then, in turn, uh, the, these foundations took over the medical schools, and suddenly, the old approach to medicine, medicine from plants, was pushed right out the back door, and all doctors were taught was this allopathic poison approach, and uh, that's the reason we have this horrible medical system we have today. You know, it, it's, it's all based in lies and corruption. I, I mean, I've studied this subject now for, you know, well over a decade, and I have never found anything. that we've ever been told about this plant to be true
2: Hmm.
1: it's all based in lies and propaganda and this was put in place like i said by the rich elite who own the drug companies our governments the news media and just about everything else we see in our day-to-day lives they control it so So it's all about profit margins and to hell with people's health and and their lives
0: yeah money does seem to be the root of all evil but I suppose on this is one of the fronts. Like, we talk about a lot of things on the show, and it's like um, when you look at maybe the progress that's been made in the last 30 years, it's not really so promising. But, like, <laughs> on this front, this is one that, I mean, if you look back years, over 30 years 10 or 10 years, 10 years like, I mean, it's huge. fucking, it's like things are moving in the right direction. It almost seems like we're going to get there in our lifetime.
1: Oh, we're definitely going to get there in a very short time from now. I mean, uh, the governments are trying to control, you know, its use and regulate it. But in reality, they have no right to do this because every law that was ever put in place against the use of this plant, especially the medicinal use, they were all based in corruption. These aren't real laws, for God's sakes. And now, since so many people worldwide, they know how to produce these extracts themselves and heal themselves, in the future, there'll be no controlling this because, you know, there's so many people that are you know are poor on this planet yeah and they yeah. just can't afford to play these pharmaceutical games because <laughs> yeah. if the drug companies get their fingers into this they're going to want a lot of money for any treatment that they provide so what will happen the poor people will simply have to go out and grow their own and produce their own extracts right. and that is something that i think governments will find very quickly that they that they cannot control so you, you can't have, put everyone in jail
2: so you have hope for for the future then
1: Oh, yes. Yes, most definitely. I mean, at the rate it's being legalized, uh, you know, in a very short time, I think actually in the U.S., within a year and a half or, or less, I think that it'll be legal in every state. You know, about Federally half the states approved. now are, what, what was that?
0: It's just a matter of time, I think, until the the federal government's just going to step in and say, okay, that's enough's
1: enough. Well, I mean, when you know, when we have so many people aware, you know, of the real truth, I mean, the governments, all they're doing right now, they're just showing their corruption by holding this back. You know, and as I said, they never had the right to outlaw its use in the first place. So, you know, it's, it's truly ridiculous. You know, and the American government itself, you know, the very government that has put this plant as a Schedule One drug, you know, the same government, the American government since 2003, have had medical patents on this plant that they say has no medical value. It's all a big lie. And, and the simple truth is, since the Medical School of Virginia in 1970, well, they shut the Medical School of Virginia study down in 1975, because it proved just the opposite to what they wanted it to prove. You know, they were trying to prove that cancer that the, the cannabis caused cancer. Instead, they found out that the cannabinoids can actually kill cancer cells. Wow. So they shut it right down. And, uh, You know, so really, for the last 40 years, the American government have been hiding the truth from their own people. And they've also been hiding the truth from the rest of the world. And, uh, you know, like all of these countries that I've traveled to, and that's over 30 different countries now, you know, they've all got their damn laws in place. But when you when you corner them on it, you know, they they didn't do any studies themselves. They just followed the lead of the great United States of America. Yeah. And look where it got them.
2: I wanted to ask you that about the countries. like You mentioned Israel a couple of times. What country is really leading the way with this?
1: Well, at the present time, that's anybody's guess.
2: Well, I, I guess there's different categories. There would be the science and tech of it, which is probably Israel, but then there's the cultural shift, which is probably, you know, there's a bunch of countries that are probably more open to it than the states.
1: Well, I mean, uh, there was a lot of uh, things said about uh, Uruguay here uh, a yeah, while ago. Yeah, so there's yeah. still talk about that, but... Yeah. Uh, I mean, I contacted, uh, well, I emailed the president of Uruguay almost two years ago and offered to come there to help them get a medicinal program underway. Oh,
2: yeah.
1: Uh, I didn't get a reply. And then um, we contacted the group down there that was in charge of all of this. Same thing. We didn't get a reply. And uh, a few months later, I heard that George Soros was down there and had a meeting with el presidente oh my god and uh then the next thing i hear is monsanto's involved with genetically modified hemp seeds so there's nothing good i don't think there's anything good happening in uruguay but i do see countries like chile i was there last november for to uh, do lectures at expo weed and uh chile looks like they're progressing in a pretty good direction Hmm. but but there's only one direction i mean as far as i'm concerned all laws against the growing and use of this plant must be repealed worldwide. We have to take these laws and throw them in a trash can because they're not based in reality anyway. And, uh, you know, we we all need the right to freely grow this plant and use it in each and every way possible, you know, because this plant can provide so many benefits to our way of life. And, you know, we can detoxify the planet, you know, with its use, and we can start doing things in a rational way for a change. You know, I mean, it's, it's just astounding to me that there's so many well-educated people are just sitting there watching this planet being destroyed and they don't say a word as long as they're paid enough money to keep their mouth shut.
2: And meanwhile, meanwhile, there's more overdoses now from legal drugs than there is from illegal drugs, which is that's pretty crazy.
1: Oh, I've, I mean, I've always said, you know, they always say, well, you know, what's the most life-threatening thing on the planet? Well, as far as I'm concerned, the most life-threatening thing on this planet is pharmaceuticals. Yeah. Because these mixes of chemicals, I mean, see, doctors, like if you and I go into a, uh, uh, the same doctor and we have the same illness, and he puts us on all these different medications, he has uh, and, uh, the same medications, that doctor has no idea what effect those medications are going to have on you or me because we're both chemically different. They're using us, you know, like guinea pigs. For God's sakes, you know. But it's all, you know, it's medicine today is simply about money, you know. And once money comes into the picture, healing goes out the window.
0: Hmm. Wow, seems to be like uh, the theme. The theme, yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, where are you? Where are you
2: based out of now? You used to be in Canada, right?
1: Well, I was in Canada until two thousand and nine. But while I... I, I went to the cannabis cup and. And that, I guess the Canadian government felt that that would be a good time to stage another raid in my house, you know, because I was, you know, I was getting a lot of support and I was becoming a big thorn in their backside. So I think that they thought by having the RCMP go in and pre- perform one of their famous raids, you know, and bring up all bring all these bogus charges against me, that that would keep me out of Canada and would shut this whole thing down. So, I mean, it did keep me out of Canada. I stayed in Europe. But instead of shutting it down, I went from country to country, and I just kept spreading the truth you yeah, know about yeah. what had happened and and about the healing power of this plant and Now the Canadian government is being exposed to the rest of the world for what they truly are, nothing but a pack of criminals
2: yeah which is which is shitty because on the one hand we are fairly open about drug drug use here in in Canada like i mean it's pot pot use or i don't want to say marijuana but uh cannabis. Like in Vancouver, for example, or even here in Calgary. Like if you get caught smoking a joint, it's not really, hey Darren. There's not really much that's going to happen. And then no. on the one hand, they they bust him and and the oil to make some sort of statement. So it's like a it's like a schizophrenic uh, society we live in.
1: <laughs> well, it's uh, it's certainly a society that's run by psychopaths. You know, because they've <laughs> they've already showed that they have no compassion for the human race. Their only concern is profit margins, and, uh, you know, that makes a sad statement for these people, but, you know, I just look at these individuals like Rockefellers, Rothschilds. I mean, these are sick-minded individuals, so maybe if we got some oil into them, they might be a little bit easier to deal with.
0: Or some psilocybin.
1: Well, that might work, too, but the only thing I have any expertise with is the oil.
2: (laughs) So, how how is your book? Uh, your book came out a few months back. How how has the reception been?
1: Well, I brought my first book out in two thousand and twelve. Uh, Phoenix Tears: the Rick Simpson's Story, and that's available right now on uh, on my website phoenixtears.ca, and it's available in both ebook and hardcover versions. But uh, my second book, I brought that out a few months later. That's Phoenix Tears: Rick Simpson Oil, Nature's Answer for Cancer. And uh, really, we've had, uh, you know, they, that's available also as an e-book on my website. And really, we've had good reviews. You know, people have enjoyed reading the book. Uh, one gentleman uh, who owns an extensive library himself contacted me, and he told me, he said, if I was only allowed to keep one book, you know, out of all my, all, out of all my collection, he said, yours would be the book I would keep. Wow. So that was very flattering. But, I mean, it's, it just tells the whole circumstance, the grim circumstances of what I went through with the legal system. It exposes them all, and it exposes what's wrong with our way of life. Mm. And uh, so many people, you know, are getting a great deal out of this book. And, you know, right, right within it, you know, I, I simply describe, you know, the methods of making the oil and what I've seen with its use, you know, the miracles. Uh, you know, so it's, it's a very, very compelling book.
0: What, uh, what's on the agenda next? Like, what are you working on now?
1: Well, Writing, I any mean, Any more I, I, books
0: or just it's right now, is it just strictly about spreading the word?
1: Well, I, I've been concentrating mostly on spreading the word. Um, actually I, I just returned from five months in India and I traveled all over that country. I, I was tr- truly disappointed in the quality of cannabis there. I, I could not <laughs> believe it. You know, I mean, I, I thought, you know, India, the homeland, my God, they'll you know, have the best in the world. And, and for the most part, all I found there was low-quality trash. I, I was truly disappointed. But, uh, but you know, the, in, in India, the old form of medicine, Ayurvedic medicine, that was in use hundreds of years before mm-hmm. the birth of Jesus, that is still in use. And cannabis is basically the mainstay of Ayurvedic medicine. They've used it ever since the beginning, and they still use it to this day. So I think that there's a good possibility that something good may happen in England, India because the door is already open there, you know, for medicinal use. So we might be able to get a project under, underway there in the near future. But, you know, for the time being, I'm just doing interviews like this. Uh, I used to travel all over Europe and do speaking tours with, you know, some of the top experts in the world in this field. But, you know, after all this traveling, uh, you know, I'm 65 years old and I'm just plain tired of it all. So I and really, you know, it's it's nice to do these lectures and things, you know, for the public, but you know, like you know, you might be talking to an audience of five or eight hundred. Yeah. But you're not really reaching the number of people you can reach on the internet. I mean, if I if I do something on the internet, it reaches millions of people. So and uh, and all over
2: and all over as well, different cultures, and it it gives kind of like a, a spread out message.
1: Oh yes. So uh, recently, when I, or before I left India, we did two documentaries, uh, and this should be, or I know, I think it's more three, Like I believe it's three documentaries he's putting together. So those will all, all should be coming out in the next two or three months, and, uh, you know, they'll be available on the Internet. And I think it, you know, paints a pretty, you know, powerful argument, you know, that we do have the right to use this medication, you know, if we so choose, and we do have the right to make it. And, uh, I, you know, I, I don't know how the government's going to deal with this when it comes out, but uh, it's I think these are going to be very hard hitting documentaries. And finally, you know, someone is simply going to get up and tell the truth about this, because even most documentaries I've seen, you know, they, they misconstrue the truth a great deal. Uh, one of the best documentaries um, that I've ever seen on this subject was Jack Harris, Emperor of Hemp, that was put out in 1999. I mean, if if you watch that documentary, uh, you can't help but be moved by what this man, you know, has done. And literally, Jack Harrow, Jack Harry, he's gone now, but you know, Jack was my hero, and uh, you know, he is badly missed even to this day. So I, I give the old war horse a lot of credit for you know the forty years he took all that abuse and continued on. And uh, and I have the honor of saying that you know for about a year or two before Jack died. Uh, we came to know each other. You know, we spent hours and hours talking on the phone, although we never met in person. But it was truly an honor to even say that I knew this man. You know, he 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 was a tremendous character, and I don't think that the hemp movement has ever had a you know a leader that will have the impact that Jack Harrer had.
2: So obviously, well, the they, prim- they might have one in you, Rick. You can't be that hungry. Yeah, that's true. <laughs>
1: Well, I just consider myself to be the messenger, brother. I mean, it's the oil that's working all the miracles. You know, so I'm just the messenger.
2: Yeah, but that's what we need is a leader that just wants to be the messenger. You know, that's probably probably why, you know, you're going to make such a big impact is because your intentions are really just humble and true, right? It's like you can tell that you don't, you're not trying to make, you know, a fortune off this. This is very noble intentions for sure.
1: Well, you know, I'm, you know I count on book sales for income right now, and I mean to keep this crusade going. And you know, I mean, the minute uh, we put the books up as ebooks, you know on the website in no time, I think the same day, torrent had it up on their sites for free. You know, and then there's there's all these other people that are you know I mean copyright laws don't mean a thing to most people. And they just simply feel they have the right to stick my movie up wherever or my book up wherever they want. And, uh, and it's like I said, there's little or nothing that I'm in the position, you know, I'm not in a position where I can do anything about it. And, uh, you know, that's I find this kind of tragic because, you know, all the money that comes in, I put right back into the cause. Yeah. And my only aim is to perfect this medicine to its highest levels. And to do that, I mean, I need some money to make this all happen, to do the research. Yeah. But where I'm being robbed every day of book sales that makes uh, my task very difficult. Hmm.
2: Have you Have you thought about doing an audiobook version at all?
1: No, I, I haven't had to, you know to sit down. It's well, it's two hundred and forty six pages. I mean, you could do an audiobook, I guess, but I have so little time. You know, like people think that I run some big organization <laughs> that supplies oil all over the world, but in reality, there's just one lady and myself here in Europe that are taking care of everyone's emails and all these contacts that come in and we we you know I'm in no position to supply the oil to anyone and people need to understand that and unfortunately I can't even tell them where they can go because like I said the quality of oil being produced can change from day to, from day, to day so there's no one that I can send them to you know, and that's the reason I've always stated. You know, like what we're about is simply supplying the information that allows people to know how to produce these extracts themselves. And you know, and to me, that's what they all should be doing. So, you know, I, it's a it's a plant. Why not grow it? Yeah, no,
2: like that's that's a, that's a perfect message. So, is there a way people can donate then to help you out, Rick?
3: Oh I mean, yeah, I mean, I mean, you our, can
2: our model here is, is, is value for value in, in the sh- on this show, right? We don't charge anything. We're, we're free. And, and people, if they find value with our show, they hopefully give us value back. And some people do. They help us with all kinds of things. And so if, if people want to donate to your cause, um, they can go to your website to do that.
1: Yes, the Phoenix Tears website, yes, you can donate right on the site. Okay. You know, we, had, we have taken in some donations over the years, but, uh, you know, one would think that by now, like, some big foundations or philanthropists, you know, would have got behind this, but to date, you know, like, nothing has ever happened, and, and I found that when it comes to rich people, they seem to be more concerned about making more money than they are with helping anyone. So, uh, you know, really, this is a grassroots movement, and we're just doing the best we can, you know, to get the word out. And as I said, you know, like, since there are so many con artists out there today, the only way to know that you have the real oil is to produce it yourself. And at least then, you know, you have the real thing. So I strongly advise people to do just that.
2: I'm sending you a $42 donation right now from Gramerica and the listeners.
1: Oh, well, thank you so much, brother. I really appreciate that. It's kicking around Europe, you know, like in all these countries. And people think, you know, I'm over here living the high life, but believe me, that's hardly the case. <laughs> you know, so it's, uh, it's been, you know, life has been a hard road over the last few years, but, you know, when you look at a cause like this, it's something worth fighting for. And I'm going to continue shouting what this plant can do until the day I die. I mean, it saved my life. And I owe my life to this plant. And now millions of others worldwide have also discovered, you know, what it can do. And it saved so many, it saved countless numbers already, the, you know, who were suffering from conditions they thought to be incurable. And, you know, so here's a rational answer that's safe, you know, to suit your medical needs. And uh, I, always, I always advise people to stay as far away from the medical system as possible, at least until they grow up and start, you know, uh, start providing the, the practice of medicine in the right way. And uh, I think, you know, I think the doctors, uh, it's going to take a while for the doctors to, re- to earn our respect again. But, you know, I'm not saying we don't need doctors. We do. I'm, I'm not saying that at all. But we need doctors who are providing the proper treatments. Mm-hmm. And we need to get rid of these oncologists and pill pushers, because they're simply in this for the money.
0: Yeah. They don't even ask what you eat.
1: No, no. there's
2: nothing.
0: No, no
1: yeah, like nutrition is not important. You know, the pH of your body is not important. Uh, you know, it, it's just insane. You know, oh, you got cancer. Here's a nice juicy steak. It's it's just uh, unbelievable what the medical system does. I mean, you know, they, they can't even cure a diabetic ulcer, for God's sakes. You know, you, if you have a diabetic ulcer, and all you have to do is put this oil on it, put a bandage on it, and change it every three days watch what happens it'll heal it completely what does the medical system do well they sit there and they watch it develop until this it gets to the stage where gangrene sets in and then they start chopping off your feet you know is that really medicine or is it truly madness yeah
2: rick rick i have a question about that if you use that oil topically do you get high from it at all
1: no, I I've had I think maybe over the years two reports from people that said they got high from putting it on topically. But I mean, I, I supplied this oil to thousands of people when I was producing it in Canada, and uh, getting high from from applying it topically would be considered to be about as rare as hen's teeth.
0: Maybe on the bottom <laughs> of your feet.
1: Well, no, even on the bottom of your feet, uh, we've used the oil to effectively treat uh, like uh, issues such as planters' warts. You know, those ugly warts people get in the bottom of their feet that grow the roots right up into the foot. And that then you have to terrible. go in and have the doctor do an extensive operation to remove the roots and all this other nonsense. Well, with this oil, you just take a drop of it, you put it right on the head of the wart, and then put a bandage on. And in, usually by the second day, you can see, you know, the roots, the, the root system diminishing, you know, in the wart. And after about three days, change it, you know, change it, uh, the bandage, and add fresh oil. Usually after you do that two or three times, the head of the wart just drops out, and there's no pain to that treatment whatsoever. Wow.
2: That truly is amazing. Darren, we got to get us some here in the igloo. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Maybe we should, that's what your next project should be, buddy, making some oil.
0: Just have a jar
2: for Ooh, a rainy day. Yeah, put a little Grand America logo on it. and
1: That's called drug dealing. Well, I've always said, you know, that every, every home should have a big jar of this available. I mean, it's, it's so, you know, effective on cuts and wounds and burns. You would not believe what this stuff can do for a burn. It You know, it is just beyond belief. I mean, I, I know myself because I suffered a severe burn to my right hand back in 1999 when I first made the oil because I was under the influence of those pharmaceuticals, I wound up setting myself on fire. And when I say severe burn, I mean it. I mean, my hand was literally hanging in gobs. And in like about three quarters of it had, you know, had melted. And uh, it was about uh, four days later when I finally went in to see the doctor. And he was shocked when he seen my hand. And he looked at me and he said, when did you do this? And I said, well, four or five days ago. Oh, my God, man, there's, there's nothing I can do with that. Uh, You know, you have third degree burns. So he just wrapped my hand in gauze and sent me home. And he told me, he said, come back in seven days and we're going to have to start doing, uh, you know, skin grafts from your back and all of this to hide some of this damage. And, uh, of course, I'm a stubborn character. So when I went home, I, you know, I went right back to producing the oil because I had messed it up the first time. So. When I, when I produced the oil the second time, the, 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 the gauze bandage became totally soaked in the oil-solvent mix. And the strange part about this was that, you know, like I didn't, after about four days, I took the bandage off and just threw it in the garbage because it was so dirty looking. But the strange part was that I didn't actually realize what had happened myself. But when I went back to the doctor's office seven days later and put up my hand, his eyes got as big as two saucers. And he said, my God, man, he said, seven days ago, you had third-degree burns. And he said, all that's there today is is pink skin. It had completely healed, and even the hair follicles all grew back. You know, and, uh, of course, under the effects of the pharmaceuticals, I just got up and said, well, I guess I'm a good healer (laughs) or or something, and walked out. You know, and, of course, the doctor never said a word. But now when I think about the damage that I suffered, and I look at what they do in burn units to people who are in house fires, and things of that nature. I mean, it's nothing but a horror story. You know, these in the burn units, they these people are exposed to infections and operation after operation, and this goes on for months. You know, months and months of agony. You know, when it, but if you use this oil, it would t- you know because it's a, it's a natural antibiotic and it's a natural anesthetic. You know, immediately you put the oil on, it kills it kills the burn, it takes the pain away. You know, and from what I've seen with my hand, I I have to wonder. If you had a child that suffered severe, say, facial burns, you know, and you applied this oil, I have every reason to believe that the child's face could be healed naturally while leaving no scars and giving the child a great deal less pain. In fact, no pain. So it's what burn units and things of that nature should be using. You know, again, more medical madness, but there's money in medical madness, isn't there?
2: And and again, that's just straight on, right? You don't have to dilute it with any other type of olive oil or anything like that, right? You can just put it on directly.
1: Oh yes, that's right. I I actually I prefer to use the oil, you know, in its most potent and medicinal form. Okay. And that you know, and that is to put it directly on the skin. It can be diluted, you know, and used in skin creams and things of that nature. Uh, I honestly, I'll tell you right now, if women actually knew what this oil or these extracts can do for their complexion, this stuff would be legal tomorrow morning. You know, it removes scar tissues. It works in so many ways. You know, so it's like I said, if women knew, it would be a very short time and it would be legal.
2: Hmm. Right on. Well, that's a good message. Hey, Darren, do you have any other questions?
0: Uh, no, I think we about covered everything. It's, uh, do you it's think almost we, 2 in the morning. Do you think
2: we forgot anything, Rick, or how... <laughs>
1: Well, no, I, I think, you know, I, I know I've done a lot of talking here, but, uh, but the, the main message, you know, that I want to send to people is, you know, it is our natural right to grow and use this plant, you know, for our medicinal needs. And we've had that right all through history until just the last few decades. So, you know, what I want to see is, you know, for us to all wake up and stand together, you know, and force our governments to do the right thing for a change. You know, like I said, repeal these laws Make the use of cannabis completely legal, and I think that we can save this world. And when we set the cannabis hemp plant free, we set ourselves free at the same time. So I think it's just about time that we rolled up our sleeves and went at it.
0: Right on. Sounds good. And I guess the best place for our listeners to track you down is uh, through the website, right? Uh, PhoenixTears.ca?
1: Yes, uh, PhoenixTears.ca is my real official website. Uh, There's all kinds of other sites out there, Rick Simpson Oil and all this other nonsense, but I have nothing to do with any of that. And uh, I only have one official uh, Facebook page. So, uh, you know, if they go to my website, uh, you know, nobody's going to get scammed. You know, like I said, we're just there to provide the information or as much as we can. And, uh, you know, we like I said, there's just me and this lady to take care of all these emails. So believe me, we're stressed to the limit. But uh, we're helping everyone that we can. So uh, I hope that this all comes to an end in the very near future.
2: Yeah, well, thank you for the work you do.
1: Uh, You're more than welcome, brother.
2: Yeah, yeah, thanks a
0: lot, Rick, and uh, keep fighting the good fight. And thanks for coming on the show. We'll do what we can to spread the word.
1: Well, it's it's a real pleasure, you know, working with people like you because, you know, you're open-minded and you're certainly more enlightened than the average people that I come in contact with. And, you know, I, you know, I just look at, you know, like shows like you do and people like yourselves, you're just as important as I am in this. I mean, we, we all have a role to play and we're all fighting the same battle. So thank you so much for your efforts too, brother.
2: You're welcome. Take care, Rick. Thanks, buddy. Okay,
1: Okay, brother. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
0: Was a chat with Rick Simpson uh cannabis oil advocate extraordinaire and what'd you think buddy
2: yeah I was surprised at how uh how much of an advocate he is like how I don't know how much he's done for the whole cause like I really just didn't know about run the fuck out of the country for his cause yeah you know what I learned a lot about that is that the different strains really have different like healing properties like he was talking about that uh what strain was the one he was talking about? That indica one was it? Indica and sativa.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's what I was saying. They all have a pot, a pot, an oil for everything. But he just says the kind he he makes cures everything. So hmm. might as yeah. well just go for the gusto. I'll take yeah, it's just, just give it's me just, the fully loaded.
2: I think the biggest challenge is for people that don't like feeling, feeling baked, right?
0: You just gotta power through it for a while. Really? And I
2: get immune. I mean, and then just be uh, this like micro dosage, bake, baked baked state all the time, or?
0: I don't know. Mm. I've never eaten copious amounts of cannabis oil. Mm. But I would imagine just like anything else. Mm. Yeah.
2: Well, it's good to see it opening up as well. Like since, even since he's been doing this, like it's been opening up, right? Three States, Mexico's allowed that, uh, that person to try it. That's good.
0: Maybe Canada's next?
2: Well, it's already pretty lenient here, right? Yeah.
0: Could be full oh, legal. Except that he pre- got, you know, booted, but. Could be full legal pretty
2: quick. You think so? Yeah. Is that one of the, or is one of the politicians running for that? A couple. What are they going to do about hard drugs?
0: Fucking everything legal on the table. Really? Oh, no. Fuck, Canada you, doesn't have the balls to do that. Jesus.
2: Well, Portugal's done pretty good with their organization. Yeah, a
0: few, few, as as a that, few places have it, but Canada doesn't have the balls to try something like that right next door to the States. <clears throat> right. We don't want fucking helicopters landing in fucking Calgary, U.S. fucking military on them.
2: Hmm. They had a helicopter flyover, over Nose when we were doing a C-Satty thing the other night. Oh, yeah. No lights at all. They turned all the lights off. Yeah. I'll tell you that. It was next, the next intro. Was it? Probably. Well, you don't know what it was. And they, zero lights. Like, they had lights on that <laughs> oh, <It's just laughs> stealth mode. You. Because I thought you guys were smoking crack. No, they were just so looking thought, at us. We're, we're in a we circle. We got some
0: fucking shady fucks in a circle down here. Going dark. <laughs> With lasers and sound. And <laughs> Hell yeah. Were you guys standing in a circle?
2: Sitting in a circle. Meditating. <laughs> so we'll talk about that next intro.
0: Yeah, I look forward to it.
2: Right on. We'll have some other events to chat about as well. I've been hawked before. Have you? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Like doing something wrong? On more than one occasion. No, Jesus.
0: Well, Vance is asking. Mm. But not, I wasn't like being pursued by the, I just got spotlighted once or twice. <laughs> being in the wrong place at the wrong time. By Mike? Mike Hunt? Mike Hawk. Oh. <laughs> thanks for listening go <laughs> support sign up for a monthly help us pay the bills and sign some other fuckers up for the newsletter
2: yeah and, and we'd like to hear your feedback and your emails and your stories synchronicities
0: review the show Yeah. tell your friends see you next week
4: in pain wasting away had a bad day My body feels like a battlefield, it's okay, cause I'm brave, I'll be saved by radiation and chemotherapy, at this day and age, our misery is cultivated, our suffering is complicated by politics and industry, they say, behave. It's so gray there's no evidence to the contrary. But well, I've had enough of your lies. Don't cover our eyes from the possibilities within it. It's criminal to hide a guilt for suffering and illness given freely by a plant so reviled. Open your eyes, you will find cannabis is medicine. And why will set you free? Dig your grave, your arguments are waning. The persecution failing Cause people's minds are changing It's okay There'll come a day When truth will find its freedom And people stop believing They say It's okay To remain In repetition and insanity Well I've had Enough of your lies To cover our eyes From the possibilities Thank mm-hmm. you. The season, there's no listening to reason. They say, okay, you must prove your position, move the goalposts every Saturday. Reason. They say, okay, you must prove your position, move the goalposts every Saturday. But I've had enough of your lies to verses and hypocrisies they say. We focus on the freedom a loving deity would give us, give compassion and believing. They say religion is a freedom until they start repealing. It's illegal to believe them. They say their acumen is flawless, they cannot hide the homeless or corruption of the process.